Blog Talk Radio. This is Celtics Talk Radio, your weekly C's audio magazine. Listen as we discuss the latest news for the Boston Celtics. You can call us at 347-857-3545. Now, here's your host, Daniel, Igor, and Kevin. Hey, Celtics fans, welcome to another edition of Celtics Talk Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. The Celtics are... Now, fifth place, Igor, in the Eastern Conference, just 4.5 games out of first place in the Eastern Conference. I don't think anybody would have said that, ladies and gentlemen, but the way the season started in this situation. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, we, again, are just 4.5 games out of first, but just 1.5 games behind the Chicago Bulls for fourth, 1.5 games behind the Milwaukee Bucks for third, and just 2.5 games behind the Philadelphia 76ers for second place. However, you are just one point, I mean, just one game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers for sixth place and three games ahead of the Toronto Raptors for seventh, which, of course, seventh place will put you in that dreaded play-in tournament, which is the one thing the Celtics are trying to avoid, which is that one-game playoff, which could eliminate you from the playoffs if you lose that one game. Of course, Igor, the team has been playing incredible. There ain't no Celtics Uh fan who's in the right state of mind in this situation, whether you are one of those fans that's got that power of positivity or one of those fans that's always going to be critical that can say as of right now they haven't been playing great. The Celtics are 8-2 in their last 10 games, currently on a two-game winning streak. And the Celtics have been basically beating every legit team that's been going at it with them as of late. Of course, we can put a little bit of an asterisk, Igor, I guess you can say, against some of those wins that some of those teams haven't been 100% healthy in this situation. But Mm -hmm. you have beaten a lot of the other teams that are healthy. Yesterday, in this case, or should I say the day before yesterday, the Celtics were victorious 120-107 over the Memphis Grizzlies which was the second-best team or is the second-best team still at this point, or actually, no, they are just a half game behind the Golden State Warriors as of right now for the second-place spot in the uh, Western Conference. So 120-107, and that was without Jalen Brown, Igor, which that sends a bigger message than what it would have been if you actually had him. So you, right now, Igor, I don't know what, you can say at this point when I give this when I give it to you in a moment, but Celtic fans, you can go ahead and brag. That's all I can say. Go ahead and brag. Enjoy the moment at this point, ladies and gentlemen. This team has officially thrown themselves into the contenders conversation alongside the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Miami Heat, and the Brooklyn Nets at this point. I don't think anybody really takes the Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls really much as a threat. The question is now, how are they going to finish off the rest of the season? This isn't the first time the Celtics have been in this position, being able to be in one of those top spots and possibly being viewed as a team that can come out of the East before, with Tatum and Brown being one of your top players. So the question now is, can they get the job done and come out of the Eastern Conference? Igor, what's your thoughts? 
<clears throat> we will see um, we will see what uh, our guest uh, has to say about the Celtics uh, playing in 2022nd uh, year. Really incredible. Uh, by the way, uh, injury report for tomorrow: uh, big game against the Nets. Jalen Brown, right ankle sprain, questionable. Aaron Naismith, right right ankle sprain, out. And like you said, Kevin Durant should be uh, in the Brooklyn Nets lineup. So we will see what will happen tomorrow. We defeated the Nets last two times, but they were without their stars. Uh, after 10 minutes audio break, which continues you and stay with us. Uh, we have a lot of interesting stuff for you. When Jason is going like he was in the fourth quarter, what are you trying to do? Make sure I'm staying out of his <laughs> way. <laughs> keeping the dribble, taking the shot, knocking it down. in the paint, puts it up, and I think it was just kind of one of those moments. Two guys just really just going at it, doing what they can to try to will their team to a victory. Absolutely next level. Uh, we try to, you know, make your shots as tough as possible, but with special talent like that, uh, you know, these guys always find a way. You know, somebody that you respect like that and obviously is doing big things in the NBA, you know, you just want to compete. You know, it is fourth quarter, it's time to win the game. And... looking for two more. We're trending in the right direction. Just trying to find the way to be the best version of ourselves. Tatum certainly the best version of himself last night, outdueling John Morant. And that certainly got the attention of John Tomasi writing this today. We are witnessing a giant leap in Tatum's journey from all-star to all-time Celtics great. Now averaging 26 points a game and fresh off victories against MVP candidates Morant, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid, Tatum has officially reached the point where you can envision him, in fact, being the best player on a champion. All great players eventually make the leap, and Tatum's time is now. It's enough to make Celtics fans throw their hands up to the sky and rejoice. Oh, John Tomasi. Yeah, jeez. You want to you wanna borrow some green glasses over there, too? Hello and welcome inside our Bella Early Edition. Trinity Kuznarek, John Tomasi, Phil Perry here with you. Listen, I, I mean, I don't know that I'm like two feet in jumping into the Green River in Chicago, like all in on Jason Tatum being the guy to lead him to, to a championship. But how can you not be excited after watching the game last night? Like, honestly, in the first half, guys, I was like, well, okay, this is kind of a nice game. Two stars kind of doing some things, not doing much. And in the second half, it was like... Like, we are tearing the cover off. It was unbelievable to watch Jason Tatum take control really in all aspects of the game. The only place, Tomasi, where I want to push you and question you a little bit is you say it's his time now to, like, take control and be the centerpiece of a championship team. Don't you have to see it first? Like, that's my thing. And I, well, yeah. I feel like i got to see it. Then it's easy, Trenny. Then it's easy, right? Yeah. You have to see them win one first. I need I'm to see them win right there. I, I'm not. I, yeah, I guess. I guess I just. I still. And, and maybe this is wrong, but it's not that I don't think he's a great player. It's not that I don't think this team is great, but I do. I guess I just. Again, I feel a little. I feel a little snake bit. Yeah. So here's my thing. It's not that they're going to win a title this year. I don't think no. that's reasonable. I, that's not probably a realistic expectation. But what we've seen of him certainly last night, certainly the last couple of months is a player who is taking that next step you know right now you could say coming into the year well Antoine Walker was a very good player for the Celtics a three-time all-star never was going to lead anyone to a title 
you didn't know if Tatum was in that class. But you watch him now, and you watch the way the passing has improved. You watch the personality on the floor. You watch the decisiveness. When he goes to the hoop now, it is with a purpose, and it is, I am a man, and you cannot stop me. These are all things that, to me, are just pointing towards the guy's only 24 years old. We are talking about someone who will be the centerpiece of the next great Celtics team, and he doesn't need Durant. He doesn't need someone above him. It's all about who do you bring in to support him. Well, first of all, he kind of has to be the best guy on a potential championship-winning team because I don't think you're getting a better guy. But that speaks to how good I think he is. And I think even for you, Trenny, I think even you have to love the confidence that you've seen yes. from Jason Tatum. On the floor, all these things that John's talking about, the ball movement, the ability to score from anywhere on the floor, the patience at times, I think even that shows a certain level of confidence, not just in himself and his ability to playmate, but in his teammates. But off the floor, too. You pointed out in your column, John. Great column. NBCSportsBoston.com. Go check it out if you haven't already. <laughs> After the show. The things he's saying in the media, the way he's interacting with the press now, even that has changed to me. And so I, I think he is. I think he's taking a step. And I do believe he can be the number one on a championship team. The team just has to be good enough around him. And I don't think they're there quite yet. I will say this. I did love that at halftime yesterday, he's pissed. He was pissed that he didn't play better and that they had a lead, but they didn't. I think he knew they, had, they could have had even greater control of that game. But, Phil, you made an interesting point. You said, I think he can be the best player on a championship team, but I'm not sure if they need things around him. There's been talk. You know, do you need to go get a Bradley Beal or, like, another, another part to the big three? Do you have what you need now to win a championship in Jason Tatum leading the group? And we'll call Robert Williams and Jalen Brown. And do you just need a supporting cast? Do you just need, essentially, do you just need bench depth right now for this to be a championship team? Or do you still need a very dynamic starting player? Are they still missing that? I actually believe, and this is going to sound crazy because certainly I was advocating for trading Marcus Smart, you know, just a few weeks ago, uh, but I actually believe they do have enough of the high-end talent. Okay. You need, now you need to surround them with exactly the right pieces, and maybe they don't have quite the margin for error that, say, a Brooklyn has with their stars, but I do believe those three guys and the right people around them, somebody else like Derek White, just guys who play a role, the James Posey of, you know, if we're going to go back to the OA champions, I actually believe there is enough right here. We're talking about one of, if not the youngest teams in the NBA. Well, still. And that's, I think, important to highlight, because the reason why I would hesitate to say that they do need another superstar is because of just the, the recent growth that we've seen from them. Yeah. They're still so young, and they've shown that they can grow. If they continue to, if there are more steps left in these guys, whether it's Brown or Tatum or Robert Williams, who knows what the ceiling is? Well, we're going we're gonna to refresh everyone's memory later in the show about all of the things we were saying about the um, Celtics. Our, our cold takes are going to be exposed. Big win versus John, the Grizzlies, that's thing. Jason Tatum led the team 37 points. The Seas have really come on after a slow start to the season and have now won 15 of their last 18 games. They are fifth in the East. So, so many teams that seem like they can win a title this season. Uh, really, it seems like anyone's game. But, Chine, which sleeper team can you see making a deep run in these playoffs? Well, since now I'm a West Coast girl, I'm going to look yeah. at the Western Conference. 
and I really love what I'm seeing from the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, you have to start with one Jason Kidd and the you know job he's done defensively especially. This is a team that has largely predicated itself on offense and Luka, even for a time being, trying to get offense to the post with Porzingis. Well, ever since he's been gone, they've had a higher winning percentage and they've really just done better on both ends of the floor. Luka Doncic, right now the reigning Western Conference player of the month of February. You look at the Mavs as a contender. All right, maybe people will sleep on them, but we all know that the biggest thing Luka Doncic needs to do is win in the playoffs. He has yet to do that. It looks like he's preparing him and his team to do exactly so. So I'm looking at the Mavs, I'm like, hmm, they're interesting. They're fifth right now in defense, which is a huge jump from where they've been the last few seasons. I think he's the first player in uh, Luka Doncic's in Dallas Mavericks history to have three straight 40-point games, and we know which players have been there. So I look at the West, I look at Luka, I look at the Mavs as a team that you don't want to play, especially if it comes down to the final possession, Stephen A. I get where you're coming from. But I'm going to roll with the Boston Celtics. Um, I want everybody to learn this name. Ime Udoka. Nigerian. Ime Udoka. Yes. Udoka. Yes. Got it. Like Chine. I appreciate it. Ime Udoka. <laughs> I want to get it right. I want to get it right. Ime Udoka. He's been an assistant coach. Was an assistant coach in San Antonio and various other places. Ladies and gentlemen, you got a coach of the year candidate on your hands. Not saying he's going to win it because they came on too late. But what I'm saying is, this brother knows what he's doing. This is the number three ranked defense in the entire NBA. <laughs> you watch the Boston Celtics play defense? I know we raving about Jason Tatum, who is a stud. Yeah. And I love the kid, and he's got a bright future, and he's a star. But he's shooting 43% from the field, and like 32, 33% from three-point range. These are not numbers that knock your socks off. He's doing his job, and he obviously gets a lot of attention, you know, in terms of defensive opposing defenses. But bottom line is that numbers could be better and will be better as his career continues to blossom. And he's done a lot because he's played 11 more games than Jalen Brown, and we understand that. And they made a midseason move. And you got White and these brothers that have been added to the mix. And I like the job Robert Williams is doing. I like the job a lot of these guys are doing. Al Horford has been more than serviceable for them. Mark is smart. I love this guy. All of that's true. But if you watch teams' offenses go against the Boston Celtics defense, you, this is where Kyrie Irving and people like that are needed because that's how you beat that defense. You can't beat that defense just moving the basketball. And that's it. These brothers are everywhere. They're like piranhas. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're all up in you. They got, tend- they got tentacles everywhere. I mean, they get long. They can be long. They can be quick. They can be physical. They just keep coming. Take and, I'm looking, and I'm looking at this defense, and I'm like, my God, they are tenacious as hell. That's coaching. That's coaching. And when I look at them right now, I say to them, I say to you, Well, let's look at the Eastern Conference. Look at the question marks we've got about Brooklyn. We're thinking that Milwaukee's just waiting to turn it up. We don't know. We're looking at Miami, number one seed, and then they get knocked off, you know, the other night, giving up a 14-point lead in the last few minutes. We see them come back against Brooklyn without P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler, but KD didn't have Kyrie and Ben Simmons. I'm just looking at the East, Philadelphia. We think we see what they're doing with Harden and Embiid, but the last two games, we'll get to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the greatest litmus test. I'm just saying, 
when we look at the Boston Celtics and the way they defend, and then you combine that with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum seemingly getting on a better page when they're on a court together, and the pickup of White and what he brings to the table with Williams and Orford on your front line, the Boston Celtics are a team to be reckoned with. I'm going to at least say that. And you can make a case for that same principle applying to the West. Right. Because without Chris Paul, and it's not like it's a two-week, or I think it's at six to eight weeks. Six, eight, six to eight. Six to eight weeks, which puts you right on the front door of the playoffs. With the Warriors looking a little suspicious defensively, and you questioned where is Raymond Green, the Memphis Grizzlies have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Even though I know Josh started slow, but he finished with still like 38 on the night. Yeah. And – I think, you know, Memphis and Dallas has to feel like, oh, we're playing our best basketball right now. So I have a question for you, Mr. Stephen A. Smith. Not saying that they're going to meet in the NBA Finals, but if the Celtics take on the Mavs, do you think they have enough weapon power defensively to slow down a Luka? Hell yeah. Okay. I do. But now here's the tricky part about Luka. Luka plays at his own pace. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever dictates his pace. That is true. But the Celtics are the kind of team not only could they potentially neutralize him, but even if he gets off, they could neutralize everybody else. That's not how Dallas is winning games. And by the way, I will remind you, because you know this, Dallas is also a team that's winning because of their defense. Exactly. Their defense. And so to me, it's not about Luka. It's about their defense. Yes. And when I look at Udoka's squad in Boston, I can't say enough about what I'm seeing from them their collectively as a defensive unit. Their best unit. identity is not who's going to take over Jalen or Jason. It's, it's we're defense. going to play defense. They're going to shut you down. They're going to shut you down. And you are live at the Celtics Talk Radio. Uh, we are in the first hour. We have our guest of tonight. Uh, this is our friend and longtime associate, Mr. Rich Conti. Uh, you can find him uh, at uh, uh, Twitter, at Rich Conte, uh, his Twitter name. Uh, he is the digital and customer experience strategist. Um, he is former uh, producer of and host of Ed uh, Tech Live podcast. And if, if I'm correct, uh, uh, Rich, uh, you have some new radio music show. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, congratulations on that. Uh, so uh, tell us what you're doing right now, if you want, about that show and the other projects that uh, you're working on. Welcome to the show. Hello, Igor. Thanks, Igor, my friend. Good to uh, speak with you again. Sure, yeah, I've got a couple other projects going on right now in addition to my, my day job. Uh, you mentioned the Internet Radio Station. A friend of mine, uh, Josh Silverman, uh, launched it, and I have a show on weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can find it at raidtheradio.com, or you can download the Live 365 app on your, your phone and get it at Raid the Radio. And I'm uh, doing a show called No Friction. It's all uh, 90s alternative rock. A few sprinkle in songs from the 60s and 70s that uh, you know were sort of the cultural musical influences on, on 90s rock. And uh, if you enjoy that type of music, as I do, I'm encouraging to listen and uh, send me your feedback. Um, in addition to that, I'm bringing back the Tech Life podcast uh, after – Talking mm-hmm. about hiatus for, uh, I believe, about three years, um, bringing it back, uh, actually in partnership with an organization uh, nearby here in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, called Charleston Digital Corridor. Uh, they're an organization. It's been around for about 20 years, and they really sort of laid the foundation for the tech industry's growth over the last 
you know, 20, 10 years in, um, in Charleston, South Carolina. It's, it's not a Silicon Valley. It's, it's not uh, Boston or New York, but it's one of the up-and-coming uh, tech communities in the United States. And uh, so I'm doing a podcast to, um, you know, bringing back the Tech Life podcast to share some of the stories uh, from Charleston uh, in working with our, my partners at Charleston Digital Quarter. So a lot going on uh, <laughs> lately, but I'm excited to be here uh, talking with you guys. Uh, <clears throat> right, um, and congratulations on that, and uh, the best uh, uh, lo- the best of luck uh, in your future projects. Uh, and um, we are also encouraging people to listen to your uh, mu- musical show. Uh, it uh, will be exciting, I'm sure. Uh, returning to the Celtics and the NBA uh, after defeating Memphis in the game. Uh, without uh, Jalen Brown in the game that yep. um, the media are describing like the best win of the season in which, if I'm correct, uh, we uh, scored like uh, 73 points in the second half. Um, we defeated very, very good uh, Memphis Grizzlies team with um, uh, super, the third in the Western Conference with 43 mm-hmm. and 21 with uh, John Morant, um, without a doubt, um, uh, superstar in this league. And uh, I mean, uh, one, of the, one of the future faces of the NBA, I would say, uh, without exaggeration. Um, and uh, in this uh, duel of uh, the superstars, uh, Tatum, uh, I mean, outplayed Morant and uh, uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, Boston Celtics are playing fantastic. I mean, like Dennis said, um, in the second half of the season, starting uh, from uh, December 31st, I mean, in January, February, and right now, March, uh, the Celtics um, have series of great results. Um, I mean, we have, um, uh, if, I, if I'm correct, uh, nine games winning streak uh, that was snapped by mm-hmm. Detroit. Uh, then, uh, I mean, wins at Detroit and uh, uh, Brooklyn uh, lost from Indiana, and right now we defeated uh, Atlanta Memphis. Uh, tomorrow we are playing Brooklyn. Kevin Durant will be back. Uh, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, uh, I mean, questionable. And Aaron Naismith will be out for Brooklyn. Also, we uh, signed, uh, I mean, uh, the two players at the end of um, our roster, plus, plus Nick Sauskas, but that's the subject yep. for a little later. Uh, I mean, we will try to explain about Nick Sauskas. Uh, first, tell me about, uh, um, I mean, and, and of course, uh, to say that uh, we are number five right now, like Danny said, uh, we are uh, at a position, I mean, uh, the best position uh, in, in a long time, uh, number five with uh, four and a half games uh, from number one Miami Heat. Uh, uh, and we are one game, one game ahead of Cleveland for number six, and two games that ahead of uh, uh, Toronto Raptors number seven. Uh, we want to avoid uh, to position number seven and eight because it is leading you to the um, elimination of tournament in which uh, one loss could uh, leave you out of the playoffs. And of course, we potentially want to be number four or three to be uh, host in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, tell me about amazing Celtics uh, second half of the season 
and about uh, great win against the Memphis. Yeah, that Memphis game was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Um, you know, you mentioned John Morant, one of the um, exciting up-and-coming pieces <clears throat> in the league, as you mentioned. And uh, he's actually a, a native of South Carolina here, where I'm currently located, a little bit further away upstate. But, yeah, I mean, he's just such a fun player to watch. Um, it seemed like the Celtics were doing a great job keeping him in check. Uh, he was settling for a lot of threes and, and struggling with his shot. Um, and then, you know, next thing you look up and he's got 30 something points on his way to a, you know, a game high 38 points and, and really match step by step with, with Jason Tatum. Tatum had a, a slow start to that game and then scored, I believe it was 21 points in the, the fourth quarter. And just, you know, what an exciting game that was. The Celtics, um, you know, sort of had the lead on and off throughout. Um, you know, it looked like in the first half there was a chance where they could create a little separation. They were turning the ball over quite a bit. Um, and uh, Memphis was getting a lot of their offense on turnovers and second-chance points, kept them in the game. Um, and in the second half, the Celtics um, sort of turned it on and, and pulled away. And um, it was a great win. And like you mentioned, you know, may have been one of the best wins of the season, all things considered. Um, you know, they've played great. Of, you know, basically since January 1st, but um, I think they've caught a lot of uh, teams, particularly the better teams, on their schedule you know, with injuries. And so there were a lot of folks out there you know, questioning whether the nine-game win streak was really all that meaningful. Uh, but I think that win the other night against you know, one of the top three teams in the Western Conference, exciting end player in John Morant, and as you mentioned, missing – you know, one of the Celtics' two best players in, in Jalen Brown. You, you got to like that win. And I think you, know, you, um, you played the, the sound bites earlier uh, with Stephen A. Smith and others. Uh, you know, the national media is starting to, to take notice, um, which is great. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but that yeah. can turn on a dime. Um, you know, I think the thing that's more that's, encouraging. That's why we, you know, we that's talk about why we, yep, That's why we play uh, Stephen A. Smith. And by the way, somebody said on our page, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, when Stephen A. Smith and Charles Barkley are uh, starting to praise the Celtics, then I'm becoming uh, more worried about the Celtics, <laughs> you know, not to curse <laughs> the Celtics. But we played uh, yep. Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we played Stephen A. Smith with intention to show you that uh, exactly what you said, that um, uh, the Celtics have been recognized with everybody with common sense. Uh, on uh, national media, uh, even right. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think it's great to get that recognition. They deserve it. It's good to see the stature of players like Tatum and Brown. Rob Williams, um, you know, was mentioned in that piece. It's great to see them get some recognition. But to me, what's really meaningful is, you know, if you dig into the numbers a little bit, um, you know, the Celtics have been playing some tremendous ball. And again, I know they've been aided a little bit by a you know fortunate schedule in terms of running into teams with injuries. Uh, but you got to remember so mm-hmm. where they were coming from, and a lot of a lot of their struggles early in the season mm-hmm. were largely due to you know injuries, sickness, missed games. You know, I think the last time we spoke, of course, uh, you know, back in uh, before the beginning of the year, the Celtics were you know, struggling to get above 500, play struggling to play consistent basketball. But what they were really struggling with is guys in and out of the lineup. And we talked about how it was really hard to make any kind of meaningful assessments at that point in the season, good or bad, really for any team because of the just the amount of, of turnover and, and flux that was created by 
COVID, uh, you know, during that time. And, and thankfully that, that wave that sort of shot across through the NBA and in December and early January, um, you know, tailed back off. And, and now we're starting to see teams sort of show their, their true colors. Of course, there was some you know, big movement at the trade deadline. We can, we can talk about a, a little bit later, but really mm-hmm. once things settled down, the Celtics really, you know, found their, their stride. And, you know, if you dig into the numbers, I think Stephen A. Smith called them the third best defense in the NBA um, by opposing point per game they are, but by any other measure, they're far and away the best defense in the NBA right now. And that mm-hmm. more than anything, if you can do that consistently, you're going to win games. Um, and if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, mm-hmm. you look at the Celtics net margin, you know, the, the average per game of, of, you know, how they outscore their opponents or they're out, or they're outscored by their opponents. They're a plus 5.5, which I believe is about mm-hmm. the third best in the entire league right now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been shooting up. I mean, that they're, their net margin sort of far exceeded their record through most of the season, but it's really been, been skyrocketing upward. They've got the best net margin by nearly a point in the entire Eastern Conference. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you consider the West Western Conference, okay, they've got the fourth best. They're behind Phoenix at 8.0, Golden State at 6.6, and Utah at 6.1, Celtics are at 5.5. And so, you know, clearly the numbers bear out that, they're you know uh, they're a contender. They're one of the better teams in the league. And uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if folks follow Nate Silver. Nate Silver's a pollster, most you know, and statistician, most known for um, you know his his work in the arena of politics. But he has you know sort of applied some of his methods and, and come up with algorithms and and uh, models for assessing the strength of NBA teams on a night by night basis and over the course of the season and. You know, he's got a couple of different models. One of them has the Celtics um, as the strongest team in the entire league with a 33% chance of coming out of the East and a 21% chance of winning uh, the, the title uh, altogether. And then um, they're also on top on, on his other model um, with a – but they've got the um, second-best chance of, uh, of winning the finals at 13% uh, yeah, behind – uh, the Suns at 30% and a 28% chance of, of getting out of the East. So, you know, as you dig into the numbers and look at the way the Celtics are playing, you know, it's hard to argue that they're not right there as one of the, you know, five or six or seven teams this year in the NBA uh, that, that, you know, have a legit chance. You know, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. I don't expect them to keep up the pace that they've been playing with, you know, I mean, they've won 13 out of the last 15 games. And honestly, even those, those two losses, right. were against, you know, were sort of trap games against the weakest teams on their schedule, sort of on back to back and on the road where they lost to Detroit and to the Pacers. And yeah, if, if they had won those games, they could be on a 15 game winning streak, you know, sitting here in sole possession of third place in the East and a half a game behind, you know, uh, Philadelphia for a second. So, you know, they, they've got themselves right there, but they need to close the season strong. And a lot of it's going to have to do with obviously continuing to play that great defense, continuing to share the ball, which they've been doing a great job of, of offensively uh, since really the, the beginning of January and, you know, knock on wood, wood, good health. Uh, you know, getting Jalen back will be huge. Uh, you know, Neesmith uh, got, got banged up the other night. It would be nice to have him for death. You know, they, they need, uh, you know, they need a full lineup if they're going to compete. And, you know, we'll see how it goes when, when you know, Philadelphia settles in with Harden and, and Brooklyn 
we'll see if their season turns around now that they're at full strength and they've solved the hard situation by bringing in Ben Simmons. And, you know, you've got the Bucks sitting out there, the defending champs who, you know, most people expect to turn it on at some point. The East playoffs are going to be super, you know, are going to be a lot of fun, going to be super exciting. Uh, you've got, you know, really the top six teams are all breathing down each other's neck. You've got Brooklyn looming out there. Um, so it's going to be a bloodbath in the Eastern Conference playoffs. <clears throat> Excellent stuff. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, trade deadline. At the trade deadline, uh, the Celtics um, uh, traded uh, Jason Richardson and a couple of uh, other uh, guys, and I would say assets, I mean Romeo Langford. Uh, the first rounder that uh, everybody's talking about, um, uh, and um, they got, um, of course, Derek White uh, from um, yep. San Antonio Spurs. It seems to be the great fit for the Celtics uh, for their second unit. He can start, uh, he can uh, upgrade his level of playing, and he's under uh, long-term contract with the Celtics uh, now. Um, it seems like uh, he is the good fit for the Celtics. Uh, and on the other side, uh, we traded away uh, Dennis Schroeder for, um, I mean, um, Daniel Tice, a well-known player. Uh, Daniel Tice uh, didn't play too much uh, for now for the Celtics, but he's brought uh, in uh, for the depth at uh, the center positions because he knows the system and he can um, jump in uh, uh, to the starting lineup, uh, replacing either Al Horford or uh, Time Lords in the case of uh, need. Uh, by the way, Grant Williams, uh, well-deserved, is ahead of uh, the plane charts, uh, ahead of Daniel Tice, because Grant Williams really blossomed this season um, as a third guy uh, of the bench for the Celtics, uh, and he's uh, starting in the absence uh, of... Um, uh, Al Horford or the Time Lord and uh, uh, Daniel Tice is kind of fighting with uh, Grant Williams for the minutes and he has been also yeah. injured uh, so didn't play too much um, in the third uh, trade the Celtics uh, cleared uh, the cap room and um, they they get under the looks tech thresh- threshold which was important for this year and upcoming uh, seasons. Uh, so uh, how would you describe uh, the trade deadline and the impact of uh, the new Celtics players uh, at the Celtics roster? And the note, the Celtics uh, signed uh, more guys, um, Matt Ryan, uh, two more guys at the end of the roster, plus Nick Saustas. We will talk about them a little later. Uh, what do you say about uh, Tice and White for now? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting trade deadline, right? You know, there's a lot of chatter about the Celtics coming in. Uh, you know, the chatter from earlier in the season about, you know, maybe moving Jalen Brown, maybe moving Marcus Smart. You know, uh, the team was playing really well going into the, the All-Star break, so that talk pretty much quieted down, but there was still a lot of discussion. You know, it was clear that, you know, they had an opportunity to move on from Schroeder. Uh, he started the season playing pretty well, but 
uh, became clear he wasn't really a great fit in terms of his style of play and the impact it had on the Jays and on uh, Marcus Smart. So I think folks suspected something would happen there. Uh, Josh Richardson, of course, was you know sort of a bright spot for them this season. So I don't know that folks are really expecting him to be moved. And uh, Brad Stevens sort of shocked everybody. I don't think anybody saw the Derek White move uh, coming. I think yes. folks knew the Celtics were going to try to clear com- some cap space, and they – uh, you know they managed to do that um, with the Tice deal and with the or, you know, the um, uh, the deal to um, you know, send a couple of contracts out. <laughs> he, the, Stevens left the Celtics in a place where they were actually even short of the minimum uh, roster size for a bit. There they had to you know call up uh, Sam Hauser, uh, you know the two-way player, um, to, to to meet the minimum and and uh, somebody else. And, it's slipping my mind, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, when the dust settled and you really looked at the the team uh, composition after the deadline, I mean, you have to like what you see, you know, and it and it starts largely with Derek White. Um, you know, this guy, um, you know, was a sort of well-respected, um, you know, young player on the rise in San Antonio. Uh, he, along with Murray, seemed to be sort of the the future that they were were building around. And so I was just honestly, you know, shocked they had given him a four-year deal a couple of early uh, years earlier. Um, and he's just, you know, as you mentioned, a perfect fit for the Celtics. Um, not only sort of his style of play, but it just sort of his approach to the game, his attitude. Uh, he's a gritty, hard-nosed player. Uh, very similar in a lot of ways, uh, both in terms of game and in terms of that. Uh, to Marcus Smart, both of them can kind of play on the ball and off the ball. Both are phenomenal defenders in the backcourt. Um, and you, you just sort of watch him come right in, you, even that first game, and it's like he already knew the playbook. He you know, fit well with the other guys. Uh, you got to remember he played alongside Smart and the Jays uh, a couple of years ago for Team USA, and Kokime was was one of the uh, assistant coaches for that team under Popovich. And so, you know, there was familiarity there, and I, I think that helped, and I think that'll help in the long run too. I think it's it's just such a great fit, both right off the bat and and longer term he's got you know he's he's got a decent he's being paid a decent salary i believe um 17 million or so a year uh, but he's locked up right he's right. lost control you, you know you know what you have with him um and you know you can see this core now of, of jason and jalen and rob and and marcus smart and Derek white um being solidified and sort of under control for the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, looking at the roster composition after the deal, it makes a lot of sense. They managed to get under the luxury tax this year. I know a lot of folks sort of howl about, the, you know, uh, ownership, not being, you know, caring about winning because they don't want to, you know, spend it in the luxury tax. You know, they've said, um, you know, they'll spend in the luxury tax for the team they want, uh, but they want to be smart about it and not, you know, get that, repeater tax clock running until you know they have to so that they can you know make sure they have the money to you know invest in talent around around that core um you know i've got no reason to believe that's that's not what what they're doing um so you look at that and then you you look at daniel tice i know he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes yet and i'm honestly a little bit surprised by that i think he is a bit of an insurance um policy i think some of you know Keeping his minutes down early uh, has been, you know, largely to not 
negatively impact Grant Williams' confidence. He's playing really well now with a lot of confidence. And, you know, it's possible that could have been compromised a bit if you brought Tice in and all of a sudden started trying to juggle minutes between those two guys. You know, Grant earned the minutes he's got, and I can't see him losing them. But it's great to have a veteran like Tice who, you know, again, fits well culturally and and basketball-wise. Uh, with the team and and know that he's there and you know I guarantee there'll be a moment in the playoffs where he's needed and you know he'll come through Uh, he gives them another great defend flexible defender in the front court which is huge and if you look at this roster now Igor right the the top eight or nine Mm -hmm. guys depending on whether you whether you consider you know Tice the 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 eighth man or, or Peyton Pritchard all of them are plus defenders Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and you go through, you know, you've got Horford plus defender, Williams plus defender, Tatum has played, you know, maybe the best defense of anybody in the forward position in the league this year. Uh, the mm-hmm. numbers seem to indicate that um, Marcus, you know, we all know him and, and, and know he's a, 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 you know, a, um, a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, Derek White, phenomenal defensive player. Then you go to the bench, right? And you've got Grant Williams, you know, uh, uh, you know, folks who called him the, the Celtics version of P.J. Tucker, right? You know, great hard nose and, again, flexible defender in the front court. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, we mentioned Derek White. Uh, and you've got Tice, who's, a, you know, a plus defender at the, you know, in the front court. And so you can go really deep in this roster with guys, you know, getting the majority of the minutes, and there's not a chink in the armor when it comes to defense there. And it's not just these are, you know, great athletes um, and, and, you know, good individual defenders. They're all bought into the team concept on defense, and that's huge, right? You know, you look at their – they're playing that hyper-switching defense. Uh, they, they don't have any fear about having, you know, Williams or – um, Horford switch out on a guard. Um, you know, those guys are smart enough to know how to like steer the guards to, to the right spots on the court. And they've been getting a lot of run lately with having Horford, you know, they, of course they played the double big lineup at least to start, but having Horford play the other team sort of primary, you know, offensive weapon in the front court. And they, they, they've been putting Rob on uh, the weaker defender, particularly weaker outside shooters in the front court. And that's been allowing him to play just a tremendous job at, at almost like a free safety roaming the court and, and you know, just covering so much ground and, and really contesting uh, so many shots from, from off the ball. Uh, you know, that's, that's a tough defense, as Stephen A. was talking about in the soundbite. <clears throat> Excellent stuff. Um, now, um, for the end of my segment, um, let's uh, explore uh, the roster right now and the newest signing uh, um, after all the signings uh, Celtics roster of 17 players is looking uh, like this Jason Tatum guard forward uh, uh, Jalen Brown uh, uh, guard forward Nick Stauskas latest uh, signing Michigan uh, Canada uh, 6'6 207 libras Derek uh, White Colorado USA guard Peyton Pritchard, Oregon, USA guard, Grant Williams, Tennessee, USA, forward 66, then Kellan Martin, uh, St. Mary College, USA, forward, Aaron Naismith, Vanderbilt, USA, guard forward, 65, Daniel Tice, Grosse Bamberg, uh, Germany, forward center, 6 ne- and 9, Sam Hosier, uh, Virginia State, 67, forward, USA, 
Marcus Smart, Oklahoma State, USA 6-4, Luke Cornette, Vanderbilt 7-2, Al Horford Center Forward, Florida Dominican Republic 6-9, Williams III, Texas IM, USA Center 6-9, and Broderick, Broderick Thomas, uh, uh, Truman State USA Guard 6-5, and Matt Ryan Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga USA Forward 6-7. and seven. Uh, So, uh, was what uh, does that mean? The Celtics reportedly uh, <laughs> signed Nick Stauskas to uh, the two uh, years deal, second year non-guaranteed, according to some reports, after G-League outburst. Uh, Nick Stauskas scored uh, 100 points combined in the last two G-League games. Uh, the Celtics reportedly signed Nick Stauskas Thursday night uh, um, and Per Goge. Uh, quoting his agent, uh, Mark uh, uh, Barstein, the two deal covers the rest of the season and the next season. Vote didn't report it, uh, whether the second year is guaranteed, but according to some uh, rumors, uh, second year is not guaranteed. So Uskas, uh, in the last two, um, or, I mean, games in the G League, 100 points, 57 points explosion on Tuesday night uh, previously. And in the first half, he scored 38. Tauskas was number eight uh, pick uh, in the 2014 draft. Um, uh, he played for six NBA teams. He's 66 guard. Tauskas uh, career 35% for three shooter. Uh, Canadian, 20 years uh, old, 28 years old. Uh, career high, 9.5 points per game uh, for the Sixers in 2016-17 season and shooting 37% for deep. After signing Stauskas, the Celtics currently do not have open roster spot because they bo- signed both Kellen Martin and Malik Fitz on the 10-day contract. And previously, um, Matt Ryan, if the Celtics want to add another permanent player to the roster, they could simply wait until one or both of those 10-day contracts expire. Also, they signed uh, Matt Ryan to the... Uh, two-way deal this um, uh, week. Sauskas might get some real minutes right now because John Brown was out and um, against the Nets is questionable. Aaron Aesmith is out. Aaron Aesmith started in Brown's place um, previous game against uh, Memphis and um, he suffered badly strained ankle on Thursday night uh, against the Grizzlies. So the Celtics uh, decision to add 66 Sauskas uh, with uh, guard uh, uh, wing with uh, NBA experience is not unrelated. Uh, can you comment me about uh, those signings? I mean, 10, day, ten mm-hmm. days contracts are not that important because uh, it's really uh, questionable uh, how much playing time will they, um, I mean, uh, see. But uh, Stauskas could be important. What do you say? Yeah, you know, as we mentioned after the trade deadline, the Celtics were in a spot where I believe they had five open roster spots. Um, That's right. The first step they took was, uh, you know, they took a couple of guys who are, I think, on two-way contracts in uh, Sam Hauser and Broderick Thomas and, and you know, brought them up to the, the main club and, and I think signed them to full deals. Um, you know, those guys both played well in Maine, um, and Hauser, of course, 
seems to fit one of the things Brad Stevens has mentioned they continue to look for, which is shooting and shooting with size. You know, I think folks in, in training camp are comparing uh, Hauser a little bit to, you know, guys like uh, Duncan Robinson and in Miami and um, uh, Herder, the, the um, player for Atlanta Hawks, you know, good 6'8 shooter. Uh, Thomas, in particular, was having a great season in Maine before, before he called up. Again, he's another, not quite the shooter that Hauser is, but another 6'5 sort of wing guard player um, there. So give, give them more, you know, they, they like those switchable types in the lineup. If you look right now, their entire roster, uh, the only player under 6'4 is Peyton Pritchard at 6'1". Um, but even after you know, uh, bringing those guys up from Maine, they still had quite a few uh, spots they needed to fill, uh, and they've been sort of mixing and matching in there. Um, and, it, and the theme has really been, you know, looking for, you know, guys with, with some decent size, right, to, you know, give them that uh, you know, ability to like switch on defense. Uh, you look at Fitz, he's 6'5", 230. And the other 10-day uh, contract went to Kalen Martin, 6'5", 230. So, you know, those guys are, you know, athletes and, you know, with that, that good size. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised if, if, if both of those guys are either are still – you know, get re-signed after the 10-day contract. Celtics brought up Luke Cornett. We remember him from last year, a big guy acquired in, in the trade that actually sent Daniel Tice away. Uh, you know, 7-2, good shot blocker uh, with, you know, with a, a bit of a, a three-point touch. So there's, you know, the chance that he's, you know, a potentially valuable end-of-the-roster guy. And then, you know, uh, the, the two most recent signings, uh, again, Stevens looking for shooting with size, he keeps saying, and, you know, brings in uh, Matt Ryan, a uh, you know, 6'7", uh, you know, wing shooter, uh, can play a little bit of, you know, the, the, the four position uh, for you. And then Nick Stauskas, which if folks remember back in the 2014 NBA draft where the Celtics picked uh, Marcus Smart, I think sixth overall. Uh, you know, Stauskas was one of the guys that was connected with them back then. Uh, he's 6'6", six, six, uh, you know, was, was a you know excellent shooter at University of Michigan. I thought folks maybe felt like he could come into the league and, and be the type of player that somebody like Luke Kennard is right now, or, you know, look at what uh, Max Struss is doing down in, in Miami. Um, you know, the Celtics, you know, hope there's, you know, he's 28 years old now. He's bounced around the league a little bit. Um, you know, he's shown, you know, he can, uh, you know, get, you know, at least sort of back up into the bench minutes in the NBA without embarrassing himself. And, you know, the hope, the hope is the Celtics, you know, he can potentially carve out that role as that, you know, um, you know wing shooter uh, that can come in and, and, you know, get you some, some easy baskets, particularly when the defense's attention is drawn by guys like Jay, uh, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Uh, again, you know, look at, Guys throughout the league like Duncan Robinson, uh, Herter in, in, in Atlanta, uh, Max Struss. You know, there, there's a role for guys, particularly in this league now, that's so pick and roll heavy. Um, you know, having you know shooters that can you know um, take passes from those guys and hit open shots without having to put the ball on the floor. Um, you know, that's a, a skill set that's important in the NBA, and, and the Celtics are hoping uh, you know that, that you know they can sort of bring that out of Stauskas. Um, also remember Gabe Vincent, he was, if I'm correct, um, um, on our G League, uh, I mean, Summer League roster or something mm-hmm. like this. He's starting for Miami Heat um, in some games, um, Miami Heat number one at this conference right now. Um, and yep. 
uh, I forgot the name of the player uh, that uh, also was on our roster and uh, uh, that is starting for some team. I remember during the program, uh, uh, Max Struss, uh, you mentioned Max him. Struss, yep. uh, Max, Ma- Max Struss, but uh, there is a, another player <laughs> plus uh, those two that, 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 that is shining. What I'm what we're trying to say that um, those um, marginal players signings would uh, uh, be very important if uh, your organization uh, and coaching staff uh, uh, give them the chance, you know, and carve them the role. And of course, the players need to have uh, quality and will to uh, remain at the roster, you know. Um, yep. It's uh, not. It's useless if you give the player the chance if they don't have quality to play in your team and if they don't have the desire to, um, you know, to 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 stay in the rotations, you know, to to fight for the minutes. Uh, uh, Nick Stauskas was one of the better shooters in the draft. Uh, he was in and. Uh, I'm surprised that he didn't uh, uh, succeed to have a better career in the NBA. Uh, could be potentially uh, the chance for his um, career revitalization, <laughs> to say it that way. Uh, great stuff, Rit. I hope that um, we covered almost all. I will uh, let uh, Daniel ask you questions. Um, again, to wish you in my name and the name of radio uh, the best of luck with your uh, musical show and uh, tech, tech, tech and live podcast. And in this show, uh, we are invite, inviting you because we think that um, uh, the Celtics uh, world is missing you to comment the Celtics. So <laughs> we are forcing you to uh, comment the Celtics here because we think that uh, you're a very objective person, uh, voice of reason. So, I mean, keep on, keep on, keep on good job and uh, let's talk um, in a couple of weeks to see where the Celtics are. Okay. Uh, Daniel, your turn right now. Uh, thanks a lot, Igor. Uh, so, Rich, uh, continuing with uh, what Igor was discussing with you in terms of the role the team has been on, one of the players who doesn't seem to get enough credit, in my opinion, is Grant Williams. Obviously, there's a lot of credit that goes to the Jays at this point, obviously, because they're the superstars, obviously. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of credit going, of course, to Derek White because he's the new player, and obviously a lot of people are fascinated with what he's going to get or what he's giving in this situation. But I feel Grant Williams has played a big role with uh, some of the changes that have been made. Obviously, if people were to look at what uh, impact he makes, they would understand why in this situation some of the other guys that we have on this team who may may not have been not so effective over the last few years are being effective now. Uh, if you're somebody who can go to ESPN, obviously, and look at Zach Lowe's uh, analysis, you could understand why. I'll simply let everybody hear, you know, I'll quickly see what he said. On our defense, which obviously has been the main reason why we've uh, kind of turned things around, the goal of switching is to force teams into attacking one-on-one. The teams average 
0.684 points when defended in isolation by Grant Williams, and it leads to a shot or turnover. That's the 10th lowest amongst teams, among, amongst 256 players who have guarded at least 50, 50 isolations. So basically, you go one-on-one with Grant Williams, he's basically going to shut you mm-hmm. down. That's the way it's looking at this point. While on offense, Grant Williams has drained a career best 44% from deep, including 38% from above the break in this situation, which is basically the best he's been doing in his career thus far. Comfort out there allows him to function more as a screener and playmaker instead of stationary shooter. Williams shooting has allowed Boston to keep one true center, time, which of course is time order, instead of saying Robert Williams the third, or Horford on the floor at all times, instead of trading for size for a shooter. Williams is shooting 75% at the rim, by far the best mark of his career. Boston has scored 1.155 points per possession when Williams shoots out of a drive or dishes to a teammate who launches. 24, 24th amongst, amongst 296 players with at least 50 drives. So obviously, this guy is getting the job done on both sides of the floor in this situation. And obviously, he's young, just like the rest of the team. And of course, his contract is set to expire not too long from now in this situation. And we've heard many people talk about it. This team needs to make some decisions at some point in regards to who they're going to bring back, if you're going to try to get another superstar to join the Jays in this situation. Some have said maybe you don't need that third superstar in this case. You know, we have played an audio just before you came on that, you know, they were making that argument. Maybe you could just stay with Taylor and Brown and, you know, just keep continue to develop who you got and just get some better role players. But what do you think about the future of Grant Williams right now with the way he's going in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, in terms of him being um, underappreciated, I think folks are starting to come around on him. Of course, he's had a – yeah, really, I mean, for three years uh, uh, an interesting career with the Celtics. I mean, you know, he came in into the league, you know, folks, when the Celtics drafted him, you know, he wasn't one of these, you know, freshman or sophomore, um, you know, high potential, like high ceiling uh, draft picks. He was a, a you know, three- or four-year player at Tennessee, showed really well in the tournament, uh, but he was looked at as – you know, a, a pick that was like, all right, well, you know, they're, they're looking for a little, a little bit more uh, mature player, uh, you know, and given the, the the roster composition they had at the time, folks were like, well, it kind of makes sense. But he was a guy that was kind of hard to get excited about, right? Um, but he earned minutes right away. And, of course, he struggled shooting from three really early on. And he missed his first 28 or 30 uh, three-pointers in the NBA. Um, but particularly the second half of his rookie year, he played really well. He was one of the few dependable bench guys they had that season. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, he, he was a key part of their rotation during that playoff run during the bubble. Of course, that was the COVID um, season that, that got interrupted, uh, but played well in, in the bubble. Um, and then last year, he, he just really struggled. You know, he struggled sort of, uh, you know, understanding where he was supposed to be in the court. court. You know, here's a guy who earned his playing time and earned his reputation, uh, rightfully so, as a high IQ player and just seemed lost a lot of the, the time. Um, you know, his shot certainly wasn't as bad as it was you know, early in his rookie years three-pointer, but uh, it certainly wasn't, you know, lighting the world on fire. Um, and this year, um, you know, man, folks had really low expectations of him. 
Um, you know, there were folks even sort of when he was on the roster at the beginning of the year, upset that they didn't move him in the off season because of the, the disappointment that he was uh, last year um, or last season. But man, you know, really right from the jump this year, he's been one of their, their better players. And certainly you could argue he's been their best bench player. Uh, certainly he's not the player that a, a Derek White is now coming off the bench, but he's been their most reliable guy off the bench. And you mentioned it's, it, it's really on both sides of the ball, right? Like offensively, this guy is, he's, he's within a hair's breadth of a, a, you know, a 40, 50, 90 season. Right, he's shooting 45% from three. He was up near 50 uh, for a good part of the season before cooling off a little bit. But you know, it would be, you know, given the number of attempts he gets per game, it would be hard to see him really tail off and, and have that number drop below 40%. So he's been one of the better three-point shooters in the league. Um, at the free throw line, I think his free throw percentage has jumped up about 30% from last year to this year. He's shooting over 90% right now, and no reason that, again, he doesn't get a bunch of attempts. So it's, you know, it's hard to see that tailing off too much. And, um, you know, overall, his field goal percentage is just under 50%, 49 and a half. So, you know, if, if he shoots well the rest of the way out, he can hit that 50 or 40 or 50, 40, 90 uh, season, which, you know, hasn't been done a lot in the NBA. And for, you know, a, 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 you know, a seventh, eighth man on a, on a roster to be able to do that is, is pretty remarkable. Um, but it's more than just the shooting. You know, you mentioned he's 75% at the rim. He's doing a great job. Now the teams are recognizing um, that he's a, you know, a dangerous three-point shooter, particularly from the corners. Uh, he's earned the nickname uh, Corner Office, which, which I love. I, I like better than uh, Time Lord even. Um, but teams are recognizing that he's a threat out there. And so they're, you know, when he, when he catches the ball in the rotation, they're rotating out on him hard, and he's attacking those closeouts and doing a great job of that. And, you know, he's still, you know, he's not a, you know, a, a – uh, Marcus Smart, but he's a he's a solid passer uh, on the move um, and defensively. You know, he gives them so much flexibility. I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody recently called him the Celtics version of PJ Tucker. Right? He's not, uh, you know, uh, doesn't have not terribly long. Uh, you know, for a front court defender, he's six seven, uh, not a great wingspan, but man, he's he's tough to move out of the post. It reminds me a little bit of uh, the way Big Baby used to play post-defense against guys a lot taller than him. Um, Really tough to move in the post. And he's got enough, you know, quickness and enough sense of of positioning to, you know, guard guys out on the perimeter. And, and, you know, you you shared those stats from from, uh, Lowe about, you know, what he's been doing defensively, uh, you know, in in those one-on-one situations that come out of the, the switching. And, He's been phenomenal. So I look at him. I mean, he's you know right right now behind White. There, he's their seventh man. You know, coming off the bench there, and and their primary uh, front court reserve. And like I mentioned, he's been keeping a <laughs> Daniel Tice, who we we all know is a you know is a is a great uh, player off the bench. Uh, you know, keeping him rooted to the bench with the way he's been playing. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. And and obviously, you know. Even though there's, you know, time to time you see a lot of position, you know, on defense, he's it seems like he's slowly starting to trend in the right direction, learning from Marcus Smart, in my opinion, when it comes to being able to get some decent calls with the offensive foul, you know, capabilities mm-hmm. of being able to draw those offensive fouls. 
you can only imagine how much of a pest a lot of teams are going to well, are going to think about him if he could actually be exactly like Marcus Smart in this case. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Marcus Smart is viewed as the biggest pest in the NBA on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Imagine if you got Grant Williams doing that, but of course, you know, somebody with a bigger body. Yep. Yeah, you I know. mean, it, it, again, it just the name of the game for them defensively is is uh, flexibility and length, right? They can go they can go big with Horford and Williams in there. I think the other night we saw a front court um, down the stretch of the game with. Horford, Williams, and um, Grant Williams all on the court at the same time, right? And they can go small with a Grant uh, you know, at the five or Rob at the five, uh, surrounded by Tatum, Brown, White, and, and Smart. So they can match up with you just about any, any way, and the flexibility guy like Grant Williams gives you is a big, big part of that. Yeah. Meanwhile, obviously, you know, the standings, as you were saying to Igor, is really close, you know, for the fans. Again, you're just 4.5 games behind the Miami Heat. I don't think anybody, as I said at the start of the show, was going to expect that that you're only four. You were going to be only 4.5 games out of first place on March 5th with the way the season started. At this point, you know, I, I could I could basically say you could end up anywhere point. You know, for anywhere from first to possibly maybe seventh in this in this case, because I, I would say it's definitely not likely you're going to fall all the way down to eighth with the way this team is playing in this situation uh, the rest of the way, knowing that you really only have, I would say, about 15 games or so left, you know, around that, around that amount in this situation. It's like that for all the other teams as well, you know. So knowing that you have about the five-and-a-half game lead over the Brooklyn Nets the Atlanta, and, and uh, about six games over the Atlanta Hawks, you know, six and a half around uh, ahead of the Charlotte Hornets. You know, it's pretty likely that you're going to be able to avoid that play-in tournament, you know, if you manage to get the job done, mm-hmm. you know, winning about maybe half your games the rest of the way at this point. So it's really basically about uh, being able to simply where do you end up in the top six spot in this situation, the top uh, six seeds. Do you finish first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth in this case? You know, and then obviously, who are you going to be facing in that first round? Now, obviously, this next week, I've been telling people in the group that next week is really going to be interesting if the Celtics can take advantage of the three games they're going to be playing because of who everybody else in that top six, in the the top six spots, are going to be playing. Obviously, for any of you that may not actually be keeping an eye on the schedule, I can uh, quickly give you some insight. Obviously, the Celtics, in this case, if uh, today, obviously today, this, uh, when it comes to uh, today, March 5th, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat will be playing against each other in just over an hour, 8, 8 p.m., so a little after 8 p.m., they will be tipping off, which means you're going to gain a half game on somebody, a half a game on somebody. It doesn't really matter at this point. So you're either going to get closer to the Philadelphia 76ers or closer to the Miami Heat with that matchup, obviously. You know, the winner, you're going to fall further behind, but the loser, you get closer to. Then tomorrow is when you will play the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, for me, that, that, that game means a little bit more than normal because you really haven't had a game this year where you can say the Brooklyn Nets were healthy, especially this version. I would say that first game you played against them of the season series, you can throw it out because, obviously, it's not the same Brooklyn Nets team at this point, knowing that they made that trade. 
but the last two games you played them, they were missing practically all their players. So this is really the only game that you're going to have a chance to really see at least a close to full, fully healthy squad for the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously, you know, there's a chance that Jalen Brown may be able to play tomorrow for you. Obviously, Neesmith has been ruled out for tomorrow, so we will see what it ends up leading to. So for many Celtic fans in this situation, especially the ones who have kind of said, I'm not buying into this team yet in this case, if tomorrow you can end up winning over the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets with some playing, having Kevin Durant and Kyrie, since, of course, Kyrie Irving will be allowed to play due to the fact the game is in Boston, not in New York, then that actually is going to have a lot of uh, weight put to it and maybe have fans thinking, okay, maybe there is something that maybe we can do something this season. But if you win tomorrow, you have a chance where you could gain ground on the Milwaukee Bucks as they're going to be playing the Phoenix Suns tomorrow at 3.30. So if the Suns win, you can gain ground on them. Obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing the Toronto Raptors. So if the the Raptors win, you can pull further ahead of Cleveland in that case. Then come Monday, you're off. So you don't have to worry about uh, losing any ground due to yourself losing, but the Chicago Bulls and the 76ers will play. So you're going to gain ground on somebody there. The Miami Heat will play the Houston Rockets. So you're probably not going to gain any ground on Miami in that game in this situation. So you could probably chalk that up and say, ah, you know, Don't worry about it in this case. But then Tuesday, March 8th, Milwaukee will play OKC. Again, you can't really expect much out of that one. Wednesday, March 9th, the Celtics are going to play the Hornets. you got an opponent. The Hornets will be playing the second night of the back-to-back while you're going to be rested. So you should win that one, in my opinion. The Bulls are going to play the Pistons. The Pistons have been a pest for us all season. So you never know if they can knock off almost anyone on any given night. So... You win, and the Pistons win. That's a full game on the Pistons. The Suns are going to play the Heat. The Hawks will face the Bucks, so you can gain ground in any one of those games if you beat the Hornets. Thursday, the Nets are going to face the 76ers. So, you know, you got a chance this week where you can really do some major damage in this case against some of these teams ahead of you if you just manage to take care of your business in the three games that you're playing this week knowing that, obviously, two of your opponents are teams behind you in the standings. and Actually, all three of them are behind you in the standings, but only one of them really is a major threat, which is the Brooklyn Nets, due to the fact that they're going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie. So what do you think about this week overall with the games you're going to be playing in this case? Do you feel that the Celtics obviously should be coming out with this week 3-0, and knowing that, again, it's versus Brooklyn at Charlotte versus Detroit. You're going to be rested in all three games in this case, and Charlotte is going to be, again, a second out of back-to-back for them. And the Celtics, do you think they should be mentally, you know, knowing that in this case and really, you know, trying to push, you know, their the pedal to the metal, knowing that this is a grand opportunity? Or do you think Celtics fans should basically, along with the Celtics, feel disappointed if they end up losing one of these games, knowing they could be blowing a golden opportunity. Because after that, the schedule is going to get a lot more tougher going with Dallas, Golden State, Sacramento, Denver. So the next three games really are critical. Yeah, and golden opportunity is the right way to put it. Like, Listen, you know, if they you know only take two out of three this week or, you know, God forbid they go, go one out of three, I don't think the, the season's over. But I think 
at that point, you know, you've got to scale back and look at the goal should be to hold on to that, that fifth or sixth seed in the East and, and avoid the play. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, they're right there knocking on the door. They've played more games than the other teams uh, that are ahead of them. So there, you know, if you, if you look at it, they, in the loss column, you know, which is really sort of what I consider that matters the most, they are, uh, two behind Chicago and Milwaukee uh, for third in the loss column, four behind Philadelphia, and five behind uh, Miami in, in, in the top seed. And so, you know, that's a, it's a long road to go, but uh, the big advantage, is, is you were alluding to, is that the teams that are right there with them in that top six are playing each other, not just this week, but through the rest of the um, through the rest of the season, a lot more than the Celtics do, right? And looking at those other top six teams in the East, the Celtics only have four games remaining against them, right? Well, Brooklyn tomorrow, um, then at the end of the month, in the next month, they've got, uh, they play Miami uh, last day of the month, and then in April, they've got a game with uh, Chicago and a game with uh, Milwaukee, actually uh, back-to-back games on the road. So those four games, right, if they need to go, I believe, at least two and two out of those four games, you know, to, to give them a, sh- a chance at that third or fourth seed, maybe even second seed, depending on what the other teams do ahead of them. So those four games are going to be critical. And then if you look at through the rest of March, there are several games against good Western Conference teams. So they've got um, on the 13th, a Sunday game, ABC game, they've got Dallas in Boston. Uh, then they go out on a four-game road trip, uh, you know, where they play Golden State, Sacramento, Denver, and Oklahoma City. Um, you know, thankfully, there's sort of two softer games in Sacramento and Oklahoma City on that West Coast trip, but the Golden State game and the Denver game will be big. And then they come back to Boston and face Utah and uh, Minnesota in uh, the the third week in um, March. So those five games are going to be big, right? So if you look at it, they've got 17 games left, right? If, you know, between the four games against the other teams in the top part of the East and the five games against the, the, the good Western Conference teams, you know, if they can go, say, five and four or even six and three in that, those are nine games right there, um, and then – you know, do a great job against those other teams, you know, hopefully in those other uh, eight games, you know, win at least, you know, six or seven of them. They've set themselves up really to to get possibly as high as the second seed. Um, But like you said, this week's a golden opportunity because, you know, they've got uh, two of the games at home, uh, Detroit and um, the the Brooklyn game tomorrow. And then um, they've been fortunate. The games are spaced out, right? So they haven't played since Thursday, so they had yesterday and today off, and then they play an afternoon game tomorrow. Then they're off Monday and Tuesday before the Charlotte game. And then, as you mentioned, Charlotte's on the second night of a back-to-back. Listen, Charlotte's a, you know, not a pushover. Uh, they're right there in that um, play-in hunt in, in the East. Um, and, of course, they've brought back old friend Isaiah Thomas, uh, so that'll make it an emotional game. And then, you know, they've got Detroit on the, you know, they've got a day off before the Detroit game on Friday night. Um, And, you know, like you mentioned, Detroit's played certainly against the Celtics much better than their record. So, yeah, it's, you know, this week really gives them a great opportunity to really get themselves into that thick of the, you know, the run for the third or fourth seed, maybe even the second, and then watch the rest of the season, play out with, you know, you know, the other teams in the top of the East 
basically you know, beating each other and, and, and giving the Celtics an opportunity. So those are going to be the keys this week. You know, getting off to uh, you know, getting to this part of the schedule before they go out, uh, before they start playing the Western Conference and go on that Western Conference road trip, uh, having themselves in good position. Those five games um, home and away against uh, you know uh, top teams in the West like Golden State and Denver and uh, Utah and Minnesota, and then the the four games starting tomorrow against the um, other you know top teams in the East. Those are going to be really the keys to, to see where they land, you know, heading into the playoffs. And again, you know, keep playing that consistent defense and, and you know, pray for good health and, and they should have a good shot. Okay. And, uh, final question. Um, before we go that, yeah. we uh, just got uh, an update from Keith Smith in regards to the injury report for the Brooklyn Nets for tomorrow. So Seth Curry is probable for tomorrow's game. Uh, with left ankle soreness, so it looks like he will play in this case. Uh, David Duke Jr. is uh, a G League two-way, two-way player, obviously. He is out in this case. Uh, they, um, it appears that uh, Harris, uh, Joe Harris, is uh, going to be out with left ankle surgery. And then uh, Ben Simmons, obviously, returned to competition, reconditioning, back soreness is out, which, of course, Looks, you know, I think everybody was expecting that. The real question is going to be, will he be able to return for the playoffs in this case, or if it's just going to be uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving, obviously, that will be the two-man team, obviously, for the playoffs. And then Dayron Sharp in this case, which, again, is a, was assigned to the G League, he will be out in this case. So, again, Durant and obviously Kyrie Irving both are expected to play tomorrow. So, really, it's going to come down to mainly Jalen Brown. If Jalen Brown plays tomorrow, then both teams will have their two main stars that are expected to play in the playoffs, and it would really come down to whether or not Ben Simmons is healthy enough to play come playoff time to really be able to have both these teams having all their main guys come playoff time. So, the final question at this point is, again, uh, I will quickly read the information I gave everybody in the Weebly Green group in this case, which is the record for the Celtics thus far against teams that are 500. Obviously, we've been hearing this in the you know online in this situation about the Celtics having one of the better records. Our members have been using that to basically try and tell tell people if you're not you know why can't you buy into the team? They got one of the better records in this case. So the Celtics at this point are 2-0 and against the Miami Heat. The Celtics are 1-1 and against the Chicago Bulls with one game left. Of course, uh, the Celtics uh, um, have, I believe, two games left against the Miami Heat. The Celtics finished 2-2 two and with the 76ers. The Celtics are 2-1 and with the Milwaukee Bucks, one game left. The Celtics finished the series with the Cavaliers, 2-1. and the Celtics are 2-1 against the Toronto Raptors. The Celtics obviously are 2-1 with the Brooklyn Nets. Their final game is tomorrow in that season series. Uh, finish two, they finish 1-1 tied with the Phoenix Suns. The Golden State Warriors have the 1-0 lead over the Celtics. One more game left in that series. Obviously now we're 1-0 against the Grizzlies. One more left to go. 0-1 against Utah. One left to go. 0-1 against Dallas, one left to go. The Celtics are 1-0 against the Denver Nuggets. 
0-1 against Minnesota, and we lost both games to the Clippers. But when it comes to the Eastern Conference, Rich, again, we're only a few weeks left away from the playoffs at this point. And many fans are saying it's time to buy in or not. Come the first round, if you are one of those teams to get into the top six, who is it in that first round you want to see this team face? Okay, so that's way off. Okay. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I usually don't like to play the game of, um, you know, uh, picking your opponent because uh, that karma usually comes back and bites you on that. But, but no, if you look at sort of the matchups and, and who they, you know, uh, might end up playing in, in the first round, certainly it looks like, um, you know, if Miami can hold on to the top spot, they'll avoid those. Milwaukee has been moving up uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and if Philadelphia has, has made a move, and so um, I, I, I doubt it, it would work out that the Celtics would play, um, you know, either Milwaukee or Philadelphia, right? You know, um, if those teams finish two or three, uh, you know, the Celtics should be, you know, somewhere in that three, four, five. And if the Celtics moved up to, you know, number two, you know, there's no way Milwaukee or um, Philadelphia. So I think you can look at Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee as being teams that they aren't likely to face uh, in the first round. And so that leaves, you know, if you're able to get up into the three spots, you could be playing, um, you know, somebody like Toronto. You could be playing Brooklyn even as, as they keep, uh, you know, if they can make up some ground and or they can get healthy and then make up some ground. Uh, you could be playing Cleveland. You could be playing Chicago. I think, you know, those are the teams that, that you're going to be uh, looking at. You know, I think most folks would say that um, out of those teams, Brooklyn's probably the most dangerous, right, you know, with, with – you know, those, you know, particularly if Simmons is, is able to get healthy, uh, you know, those three guys, they'll have to work out some, some chemistry issues and, and, you know, figure out how to play together. But, um, you know, just looking at that talent, you know, particularly if they get Joe Harris back, uh, I'm not sure what his timetable is. So, you know, I, I think folks would be uh, kind of um, disingenuous if they said they were, they were looking forward to playing Brooklyn in the, in the first round. Um, Chicago, you know, has played really well for most of the year. They've been falling back to earth recently. I think they've lost uh, four in a row. Uh, you know, they've got DeMar DeRozan, who, you know, folks have started to mention as a MVP candidate. Um, you know, they've got some other top end talent there and, and, and guys like Zach Levine, um, uh, Nick Vucevic, which, you know, we know has historically given the, the Celtics some, some problems, um, wouldn't be excited to, to face them. Uh, Toronto, you know, we know sort of the bad blood uh, between the coaching staff and, uh, you know, we know the teams have a history going back to the uh, the bubble a couple of years ago. That will be, you know, their roster has changed a bit, um, you know, certainly without Kyle Lowry there, um, you know, uh, there, there may be a little bit less of a, of a threat, um, you know, but they still very good team, Fred Van Bleet. Um, you know, the rookie Scotty Barnes has been playing really well. He seems to do, frankly, as good a job as anybody uh, defending against uh, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, in their limited meetings this year. Um, and that really leaves um, Charlotte, I mean, uh, Cleveland. And, you know, Cleveland's sort of been the surprise team for the, uh, in the East for most of the year. Uh, they've come back uh, to the pack a little bit over the past couple of weeks. Um, it's a young team. 
right? You know, they've got the all-star Darius Garland in the backcourt, um, and then that, that, that big, young, athletic front line with, with Jared Allen and uh, the rookie Evan uh, Mobley. And so that would be a really interesting series because, uh, you know, both of the teams are really are centered around, you know, play on the defensive end. And it would be fun to watch. You know, it would be two teams – uh, going big against each other, right? You know, the, the the Cavs with with Mobley and Allen, as I mentioned, along the front line, and the Celtics with Horford and and Rob Williams, um, and that's you know in and of itself a, a, a rarity in the NBA right now. So it'd be that'd be an interesting series from from that standpoint. And in the backcourt, you know, um, Darius Garland is really sort of the, the primary source of offense for Cleveland um, and you know that plays right into the Celtics strength with with two great backcourt defenders in Marcus Smart and Derek White to to, to throw at him so I, I think in some ways that that series might be in, in a surprising kind of way the most fun potential series and so that's what I'll put my vote on because you know I, I like the interesting storylines in a Celtics-Cleveland uh, first-round matchup. Uh, that would potentially happen, I think, most likely if the Seas were able to get up into the three spot. And, you know, I could see Cleveland falling back down into the six spot. So, who knows? It could be a 4-5 matchup uh, as well. So, yeah, my, my vote would be Cleveland, not so much because I think they're an easy opponent, because, but because I think it would be um, probably the most interesting of the potential first-round series for the Celtics. Uh, all right. So, again, Rich, as uh, Ingram mentioned, uh, we want to thank you for joining us in this case, and we'll look to talk to you again one more time before the playoffs begin, buddy. Yeah, always love talking to you guys, and looking forward to it. Hopefully, we're we're rolling into the playoffs still on this um, you know um, hot streak they've been playing on, and are sitting there and uh you know with a home uh, court advantage in the first round. That would be a lot of fun. Yep. Hopefully, that's what it is. So we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Igor. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Daniel. Yep. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, that was our buddy, Rich Conti. And we will now go to block two in this case, which will include a discussion about Morant versus Tatum. Which would you take right now if you built your team around? Also, the interview with Chris Forsberg on Touch and Rich. And then our third audio will be what we will be discussing as we now go from talking Celtics to talking all NBA, which will be the first topic, Harden giving James Harden giving the Philly fan treatment too much credit too early. So basically James Harden is already embracing the Philly fans. Is it the wrong move at this point? Morant and Tatum are two of the hottest young stars in the game, and Morant right now is unconscious. It is not very often you get to see two guys who are chasing a championship early in their career, trying to prove they're the best on the same court. It is old school, must-see TV tonight. Is it not, Chris Forsberg? And, oh, wait, so just kidding. We're going to look at this first. Mm-hmm. We have NBCSportsBoston.com ranking at the top 10 players under the age of 25. Mavs, Luka Doncic coming in at number one. It's hard to argue against that. Number two, John Morant gets the nod over our guy, Jason Tatum, who was ranked third by our peeps. You can see the rest of the list there, but Tatum versus Morant that we want to focus on as we bring in, I just mentioned, we got Chris Forsberg, we got Tommy Giles. Uh, on my list. Okay, yeah, who would you rather have? We we discussed this on the Celtics sure Talk did. podcast, which you can find on your um, YouTube Favorite. streaming. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Um, I picked John Morant mm-hmm. right now, right mm-hmm. to, tonight. Mm-hmm. A prisoner of the moment. I, of course. 
Yeah, but we all are, right? Like recency bias, he's been great, and it's fun to watch, and I totally get it. You can convince me that they're sort of neck and neck, but I believe Jason Tatum is still a tier above. In terms of when I think about impact players in the NBA, especially at their position, like size, the way they can impact the game, Jaw's been great, and he's super fun to watch, but can he do it on both ends, and can he, like, carry a team to playoff victory? We'll find out, because the Grizzlies have been awesome, and I'm eager to see where it goes this year, but... Right now, I think Jason Tatum is still just a little bit above. He's done it longer, too. That list? I think that list was pretty much perfect, at least looking at the top five. I think Darren Hartwell nailed that list that we have on NBC Sports Boston. You just mentioned prisoner of the moment. That list is about what's going on right now. John Morant right now is the better player than Jason Tatum. John Morant is in the conversation for MVP right now. Jason Tatum's not. Jason Tatum's playing at a great level, Chris. He's a great player. He might even have a better career, but that list for right now, I'm I'm in agreement. Yeah, you say that you're not sure that John Morant can carry his team to, you know, postseason victories. Mm -hmm. But I would argue, has Jason Tatum done that alone? Like, I I also feel like he has had the luxury of having Jalen Brown with him. Whoa, 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 whoa. We do this show all the time, and we're like... (laughs) is Jalen Brown needs to be traded. And all of a sudden now the argument is but, he only has Jalen Brown. But the point is there's another person, right? Like, 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 I feel like John Morant has done this all. The Grizzlies have talent. I mean, it's not just the job, but it helps that he has Steven Adams on the back line to clean up all these rebounds, that he has Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, there's Desmond Bain, who the Celtics should have on their roster. But it, it, there's still talent in Memphis. Like, he's not doing it alone. He's just the, by far the, the most important part of what they're doing. But – like, Jason Tatum is great at both ends of the court. He is at a position where everybody wants. And I understand, like, Jai's been great. But, like, Isaiah Thomas had one MVP caliber season. That doesn't mean I think that Isaiah Thomas in a vacuum was but better. Let me, for, the, for the record, I'm talking about, like, tonight right now, not long term. Long term, I think you automatically go with Jason Tatum, right? I, I would. I would definitely lean that way because look at John Morant and you're afraid that, you know, is he kind of like a Derrick Rose where you have a point guard who takes a lot of hits around the rim? And, uh, yeah, it, it's an attrition that kind of adds up over time. I, I just like, say. yeah, I just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Sorry, I didn't mean, sorry to mean to spit it. Yeah. The, the, I was, did I miss a joke? <laughs> I, I never want to miss a joke, so I was, I was going to jump right in there. I want to ask you this, though, Chris, about the Grizzlies. Mm. Do they have a more talented roster than the Celtics? No, of course not. They don't, and the Grizzlies are 23 games above 500. Yeah. Definitely 20-plus games above 500. So just the argument there is that John Morant is doing more with slightly less than the Celtics have, and he's got them in position in the Western Conference to be a top three, four seed. And I think that's my point. John Morant is the reason, is the one and only reason that they, the Grizzlies are fair, where they are. All fair points. But I, right I, I'm now. just saying, like, if I'm ranking my guys, Jason Tatum is still ahead of John Morant right now, even though John Morant right now is more fun to watch but on a night-to-night basis. Do you know who's ahead of all of those players for Chris Forsberg? Robert Williams. Obviously, Robert How are we not talking about Rob? Why coming is Rob not in this You mentioned monitor? Steve Adams. You didn't mention Yeah, coming uh, Robert up. Williams. Matt. All right, uh, Chris Forsberg covers the Celtics for NBC Sports Boston. He joins us on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. Now, Mr. Forsberg, this has been quite a uh, roller coaster for you. Up and down all around from intensity uh, to anger to acceptance to now here we are uh, with a team where I'm looking at something on the uh, on the ringer that says that they are uh, the third most likely team to do something good. <laughs> <laughs> which is the best stat of the morning. Yeah, they, which is, I'll tell you, they, they're, uh, it is... Uh, let me see here. The uh, I can't can't. Well, in the meantime, Chris, you said something <laughs> fairly controversial last night. Um, uh-uh. Uh You, I do believe, 
this was the first time all season that you labeled the Celtics as a legitimate contender. Uh, am I am I uh, mischaracterizing what you said yesterday? No, I've definitely been a little bit uh, hedging my bets. I think I've wanted to see it over a prolonged stretch against good teams, but even I, you know, I think the last I'd say two weeks, especially as the defense has been so good, I've, I've sort of warmed to the idea. And then you look at the stat where they've now beat nine straight uh, playoff teams. And like, I don't know how you can sort of sit on the fence anymore. Like there's, there's certainly little things like their late game offense that I worry about in a seven game series and other teams having the best player on the floor. But when it boils down to it, the Celtics defense on a night to night basis gives it a chance. Now they got to be healthy. Like there's still all these little asterisks, but, uh, yeah, like the way they play, they'll, they, whoever they draw in a seven game series, they have a chance. That's a decent point you make about the best player on the floor is because I'm I'm looking at the East and out of like the top eight teams right now, how many of them do the Celtics have the, against how many of them do the Celtics have the best player on the floor? Yeah. So like, I mean, against Cleveland, Chicago, you would, uh, maybe some of the playing teams, if you, some, DeRozan, well, hold on. DeRozan. Oh, no, that's fair. DeRozan's on a streak of epic proportion. Well, right now he is. This so. season, I, I mean, I, in any other season, I'd say it's Tatum, but this year it might be DeRozan who's the best player on the floor. And, and that's fair. I guess the one thing I'd throw back is, like, the way Jason Tatum has played the last couple of weeks, he's starting to put himself in that conversation. Sure, you know, sure. You know. I'm just so saying it's, it's not as cut and dried as you guys made it sound. That's yeah, a, no, no, definitely. And, and, and I guess that's one of my fears is that's why you got to be healthy, too. I mean, you're, you're leaning on a seven-man rotation at this point, and, and every time, and even when Aaron Neesmith now goes down, you're like, oh, geez, what are they going to do? you got to go out and, and sign yourself a Nick Stauskas just to, to try to weather. And so um, and I am a little bit concerned. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of miles on these tires. Jason Tatum has played more minutes than he'll ever have played in an NBA season and coming off an Olympic year. And um, that stuff adds up. So I'm worried about freshness. That being said, like this is also the time that Tatum tends to go up a level. And so uh, it's been neat to see him the, the last couple of weeks. I feel like his passing, it's just, I don't know. It just feels like something's clicked in terms of how he sees the game and, and being able to, uh, to, to to feed his teammates. Maybe that's just a little bit more confidence. You know, Grant Williams consistently knocking down those those corner three-pointers makes it a lot easier to throw that skip pass to the corner. And uh, But Tatum in the fourth quarter last night, just oh, sort awesome. of reading the defense, getting to the rim, it, it was awesome. And so, you know, it's what we've sort of been waiting for. Now can he do it consistently? Yeah, and that's the – I am hedging my bet still, Chris, because the, the teams that I'm worried about – aren't Chicago, and I'm not even too worried about Miami, although that'll be a great series. The teams I'm worried about are Milwaukee and Brooklyn, who have just kind of been biding their time and waiting for everyone to get healthy. Sixers. And, well, I mean, and Sixers, too, now that they have Harden. I, I don't know how that will be when you get to the playoffs, but those are the teams I'm worried about. Do you think the Celtics can beat those teams so, in a seven-game uh, series? Yeah, like I, I, Milwaukee, probably not. I'm not. I'm not particularly confident in that. They've been there. They have Giannis. They have other talent. Like Middleton go, becomes the the best player in the NBA against the Celtics. So uh, I am worried about about that series in particular. You know, Brooklyn's going to be in a tough spot if they don't turn this thing around. I mean, there's what 18 games left, and they're they're just sort of sliding. And so they have to come out of the play-in bracket. I, I still don't want to see them. You know, because if it comes together, and because of uh, Kevin Durant, as we'll see on Sunday, but. Um, I feel like okay with that matchup just because of the, the wild cards. Joe Harris now out for the year. Um, but you know, I, again, you don't want to not have the best player on the court. Philly's interesting to me. 
I just feel like we saw Al Horford last night, right? Like turning back the clock, not looking 35. Yeah. Now he certainly he certainly rode the roller coaster as much as anybody this year. And there have been times where I'm like, you know what? It, it's just it, it, I don't know if you're going to be able to lean on this guy heavy in the playoffs. But seeing Philly on the other side, seeing Joel Embiid, knowing how bad it went for Al and Philly, I, I don't know. I just have this feeling. That, you know, the Celtics have matched up with them well. Uh, I don't know. If 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 MVP goes supernova, we can play back this audio. You can all laugh at me and be like, hey, you know, Forsberg thought they had a chance in this series, but. I just, I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. I think it would be super fun, super intense, and I think we'd all be miserable watching Embiid and Harden shoot 94 free throws a night. Um, but I think it would be an awesome series, and I think the Celtics might have a chance on that one. Is there a worry, Chris, that when you look at this roster, it seems like almost everybody on it is playing to their maximum potential? Like, it seems like I'm just waiting for. At least a couple, like, all it takes is for, like, two of these guys to just slip, and all of a sudden, you're back to where you were. I just, you know what I mean? I think as a Celtics fan, over the last several years, we're conditioned to look for the the, the, the drastic and dramatic fall from grace. It just seems like the, none of these guys can play any better than they're playing. It just seems very tough to sustain. I don't even want to think about it because I'm just I just sort of leaned into this is fun again. And yeah, no, it I get so, it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so miserable that I just kind of <laughs> want to enjoy it. But no, you're right. Like I, the one thing I'd counter with is okay, Jason Tatum in the first half last night was terrible. He kept turning the ball over. Like I, he just didn't seem to have it. And then he went to another level. So if he could be second half Tatum for a full game, like there's no chance the, your opponent's going to to win that game. You know, Rob has had nights where you know I don't know if it's the the early starts last week or whatever, but he comes out he's not himself and so I think there's a whole level of consistency for him to play with but certainly yeah when especially when they've been fully healthy it's sort of I'm always sitting there going oh please just just stay upright because when you're healthy you have a chance I think one of those numbers that that Fred was was mentioned I think 538 has the full strength rating which is just how good does your team play when everybody's healthy and they're pretty much way ahead of the league they're number one in terms of like what the metrics say they can do it. Now, part of that is their starting lineup is just pummeling teams, and that might come back down to earth even before the end of the year. But uh, if all five of those guys are healthy and you're getting anything from the Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams keeps knocking down corner threes, like I feel like there's a chance here. Uh, but yeah, like like anything, I I just I, 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 the thing I fret the most is the depth, just because I think once you get past the eighth player on the roster, it just gets really hard to 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 lean on any of these guys and be confident that they could uh, be contributors in a in a playoff series. If Jalen Brown can't play, and based on the injuries we saw last night, I guess uh, White is okay and can play. But now that Neesmith looks like he's out for a while, how many players is Ime Udoka going to put on the floor to play Brooklyn on Sunday? <laughs> he might go five at this point. That's maybe six. Um, so, and, and I like we joke about it, but it, I mean, so someone's going to go up to the starting lineup, right? So is that Grant? Do you ride with that? That that lineup you threw out the other night? I think they'd probably do that just to or, or, uh, just to keep Derek White with the second unit and have a ball handler coming off the bench. But maybe you bring White onto that. Group. I don't know. Uh, either way, you know, you're probably playing Grant Pritchard off the bench, and so yeah, like it won't go past seven. Uh, I don't suspect. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I'd, I'd like to see. There are times when their offense gets so stagnant with reserve groups that I'd be okay if they just threw Hauser in there. Like I don't know if he can play NBA defense consistently, but the dude can shoot the ball, and you might as well throw him out there and, and maybe give your give your some of your other wings a at least a, a little bit more of a breather. 
Um, but yeah, like especially once the playoff rolls around, if, if Tatum's playing 40 minutes a night now, he's going to play 44 minutes a night in the playoffs. So Ime has just sort of decided he's going to lean on these guys. And at, at, when they were losing, I hated it. And I said, like, what are we doing? Like, we got to develop younger players. But now I get it. It's just he's going to ride these guys. And, and the other part of it is the, the guys seem on board with it. Like Tatum wants to play. And, uh, you know, so, okay, like just lean into it. Let them put up their numbers and, and get their minutes and, 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 uh, and see where it takes you. The other thing, too, Chris, is that when you step back a little, and it took a, a little time for us to you know realize this, and actually for it to kick in, obviously. But when you look at the changes that they made up top by moving Brad Stevens, you know, to the president of basketball operations, and putting Ime Adoka in there, I mean, they look like brilliant moves right now. I mean, we, I, it, the season's not over, obviously, so I don't want to you know blow it up at much bigger than it is. But I start with the Kemba Walker trade for Al Horford. I mean, Kemba Walker's not even playing anymore, and Al Horford is. You said it best. I mean, he's having like a you know a retro game. It's like a, it's, it's like he's back in the Atlanta Hawks. On top of that, you know what Adoka's been able to do with these guys. I mean, how many times have we just said, why can't these great pieces work together? Like everything, like the pieces are there, and why isn't it working? And now we're finally seeing it work. Yeah, I, I still think you know I, I look at that even just the the, the Al and Kemba trade, and every time I watch Houston and see Singoon, I I kind of get a little jealous. And but like those are the prices you pay to to sort of generate the flexibility. And this is still a work in progress for Brad. Uh, left the team a little thin, a little a little thin on shooting, but like you know those are things you can correct in the off season. We'll just we'll just see where it goes from here. But yeah, but in general, I think Brad's been you know made all the all the right moves, and being aggressive at the deadline was absolutely the right decision. He may had some missteps at the start of the year and I think it was fair to criticize you know some of those rotations but some of it was just the, they, he didn't have pieces that he felt confident to play and so he had to go with those shrewd or smart lineups and it was just bad and so credit to him for sticking it out for sticking with the defense he wanted to play and sort of seeing what this thing could become uh, I, you know people like me were maybe a little bit too emotional early in the year and, and uh, you know I, I still look back in January 7th three games under 500 I could not have envisioned this sort of turnaround and, and it's it's because you know Ime was diligent and kept on the guys and they all sort of figured out the right way to motivate this group so uh, yeah, they all deserve a ton of credit. Uh, I thought I don't know if you guys saw Ime's press conference last night. They were talking about halftime adjustments, and he said, "Well, we do have the coach of the month in the locker room." Oh, we played it. Like, yeah. just, just the perfect flex. Like Ime hasn't had a chance to do like you know dunk on us for 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 a little bit there, and uh, you know I love that. I want I want it's, my coach. He should have just very Belichickian. <laughs> very Belichickian <laughs> right of him to recognize such an important award. I mean. <laughs> It, it, it is uh, Eastern Conference. He Coach might Coach. as well have just given Adam Jones uh, a, a script and said, "Here's two days worth of material." Hey, is that the first time you've heard him say anything with levity? Um, yeah, he, I mean, like much like Brad, Brad would throw in an occasional, you know, dad joke, and uh, we chuckle and, and tweet it because it was just like it was the only personality that that he would reveal in those moments. But um, you know, much like Brad, we know there's a a larger personality behind the scenes. It's just it's fun when they're when they're sort of locked into coach mode. Uh, I think, you know, for Ime, for, because he's so unfiltered on his players, I wish he would just sort of do that. I do. One of the things I like, love about Ime is that, you know, sometimes we'll ask him questions about, you know, the opposing defense or whatever. And Brad would just gush about players, like just talk up everybody. And Ime's sort of like, well, we, we can attack this person and, and we'll go right at this guy. And like coaches don't say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like that. He should he should he should do that more with uh, with his own uh, levity and, and, and just sort of make fun of us for for being so emotional early in the year and wondering. if well, he's actually. Well, well, Chris, I mean, 
we could very well look back at let's mark the date on March fourth, two thousand twenty-two, and then we could be very much how are we so high this team? Three months, yeah, yeah. three months from now, when you know they lose a series in five, going. <laughs> So let's not go. Don't beat yourself up too much. Right. I let's, mean, there, there's a lot of season to be played. And as you said, and, yeah, and, and, as you said, you know, a lot of guys are getting a lot of minutes, and there's a lot of other teams that are just like, why are we playing basketball in March? So no, no, no negativity, people. We're going full. Fred, I'm going full positivity. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning I, in. I said, Good vibes. if you're the Celtics, what else? What else can you do? You've done everything that can be asked yeah. of you. There's nothing else you can do. It's fantastic. But all I'm saying is don't get down on yourself for being emotional because there's a very good chance in, that we look back and go, is Steven really a genius? Is uh, Doka really a genius? I mean, all it takes is one bad playoff series. Is this so. Kyrie's mm-hmm. first trip back to the Garden since he stomped on the logo? Yeah, the Sage and Stomp Night. And, uh, uh, someone, so I think they pointed it out. If you look at the record since that point, the Celtics are decidedly better since Ky- Kyrie stomped on Lucky. But, uh, yeah, well, but as Fred said, maybe I'll bite my tongue and wait to see how Sunday plays out before I get, before I get too excited. Well, that's, well, that's my, I mean, that's, that's going to mean a lot because that's a team, as you said, like they can't jack around anymore. And right. I know that, uh, Kyrie Irving's going to want to embarrass the Celtics. And obviously he's got, he's, he's got to, you know, take, oh, he's got to get some retribution from that empty water bottle that was thrown out. Well, <laughs> listen, he hates it here. He obviously hates the fans. Yeah. So he's like, going to he want to embarrass them. Places. He does hate a lot of places, but well, a lot place, of places hate him too, though. But so that's the thing is the crowd's going to give it to him. They need to win. If the Celtics can beat a team that was expected to possibly win a championship and one that is going to be as motivated as you can be in the regular season, then that is going to be about as impressive a regular season win as you can have for this team. All right, I'm all in. Right. I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm ready for the garden to be like crazy loud. Like it was. It, it, everyone said it was super loud last night, and people were obviously hyped just to see Ja. I yeah. want to see the garden like totally playoff loud, and then you know you get Garnett next week, so it, it could be a fun oh, couple yeah. weeks. It, here. Yeah, it will, it will be a different kind of loud than last night because last night there was, and I was one of the people. Just like, all right, Morant, do something. Let's let's go. Like, let's <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's start flying around a little bit. And you could hear the crowd, like getting the the anticipation of that happening. Because like, who hates the Grizzlies, right? So uh, yeah, there will be there should be in the garden a uh, not to tell people what to do, but there should be a uh, a. a, a if you're going to be invested in any regular season game, I suppose. Do that they should still be the one. sell Kyrie's Adouche T-shirts outside on Causeway? Mm-hmm. Yep, oh, yep. My my son. Those vendors are not throwing those away. My, you that's money. <laughs> yep, my son's obsessed with Kyrie's shoes. So what are you going to do? All right, Chris Forsberg. Uh, thank you so much for the time, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you all. Take care. I see you, man. All right, there you go. James Harden, who made his debut in Philly last night. Harden sounds like a happy camper. Here's what he had to say about his big debut. I mean, just exciting, man. The love, the fans, uh, just felt like home. You know what I mean? Uh, so, I mean, the, the, just the love, the support, man, from, from looking around and just, you know, we love you, James. That, that right there, like, makes me go out there and play harder, and I just want to do whatever it takes to get the win. <laughs> Wait till you stink one night, and let's see what kind of reception you get, right, Giardi? <laughs> that, that jacket is one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Oh, and I've worn some bad jackets in my day, but that thing is hideous. So we'll start there. And, look, this is the same thing that Harden does. He, he did it when he, he came to Brooklyn last year. All of a sudden he became the leader of that team. And everyone was like, oh, my God, can a guy who, who shows up out of shape and, and wills his way out of Houston then goes to the, the Nets and, and almost becomes, like, for a while there, people were talking about him as a potential MVP. Like, 
it'll work for a little while in Philly, and then we'll see if James gets bored with the nightlife in Philly and there are not enough things to do in Philly that he would like to do, so we'll see. It kind of feels like the James Harden relationships last less. Or Short term. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're shorter even than the Aaron Rodgers ones. Uh, for James Harden in Philadelphia, this just it feels like at some point it's going to come to a head. But i got to tell you, a lot of people in Philadelphia are very excited about what they're watching right now, and they should be because they're actually title contenders, and they've been excellent since he got there. But I'm just curious what this is going to look like a year from now. Uh, they are excited in Philadelphia until they're not because I am just waiting for them. I mean, it's not even going to take, like, a stretch of bad games. I mean, here's the thing about Philadelphia. They are a demanding fan base. So the minute you start to stumble, the minute – and it looks like maybe things aren't coming together. They are not going to just be like, oh, well, they had a bad game or they just took a night off. Like that, They are ruthless. I have never covered a game in a place more ruthless than any sports event ever in Philadelphia. That, that could be. Uh, we're also I just think the honeymoon, I, I I think the honeymoon is going to be a mini moon. Yeah, that's fair. We'll, we'll see how far they go in the postseason, Mike. Yeah, and he's not, you know, right now, there's the honeymoon too because he's not Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons wouldn't play for you. He didn't want to show up, didn't want to take shots in the playoff game. Harden, will, he'll take plenty of shots. He will Maybe take, too many at yeah. some point, but we'll see. I hope that, that the, I hope he, he fades uh, faster than we expect there because I, I think they can be a, a problem in the postseason. And we're live at our virtual studio. Uh, you're with uh, Daniel and Igor in the second hour when uh, you are going to um, – <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, here, all NBA news alongside our analysis. Daniel, um, we heard um, interesting audios, um, emphasis on uh, the last one, in uh, which uh, we heard, if I'm correct, from NBC Sports Boston analysts saying Celtics uh, fans have right to be excited but uh, should remain clear. Uh, minded when uh, judging the team and all I'm going to to say uh, at this is I'm going to laugh. The Celtics fans should be clear-minded when they're judging the team please. <laughs> I mean that, that's, that's impossible for the Celtics fans. What do you say? Well, not all NBA uh, Celtic fans or NBA fans are like that anymore. But, again, as we said at the beginning, right now they have a right to be excited because the team is playing great at this point in this situation. But as the audio earlier said in this case, fans have to judge the team the right way in this case, which is obviously judge them based on what you see from the rest of the teams in the NBA, don't simply say that they automatically are going to win the NBA championship just because they're your favorite team. Too many fans do that in this situation and automatically end up being wrong in this situation. You know, I can understand you doing that if if the team had the best player in the league in this situation, you know, and it was a foregone, almost a foregone conclusion, but we do not have the best player in the league in this case. So also, also Daniel, also, also when you when you tell that uh, to the fans at our page, they are going to laugh at you because for them, 
Jason Tatum is um, in the league with uh, Larry Bird, um, Phil Russell, uh, Kevin Durant just today stated uh, that uh, Jason Tatum is, quote, um, what did he say? Um, making plays like LeBron James and he's shooting like me. That's all I can tell you about about him. I mean, um, in the eyes of, of um, uh, the Celtics fans, Jason Tatum is the best player in the world and uh, he's, he's the legend. So if you try to fight against that, to say, I mean, come, 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 on, come on, people, that's, that's insane. Uh, they are going to tell you that uh, you're you're crazy. So what you're going to say about that? <clears throat> well, Igor, that's where I would say basically we're going to have to agree to disagree in most cases with some of these with some fans in this situation. For for some fans in this situation, we're going to have to go the route of being able to. And uh, we have a caller in this case, so let's actually bring them on and get yes. them into this discussion. Sure. Okay, so we have you on the line. Who's this? Hello. Welcome to the Celtic Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Celtic Talk Radio. You're with Igor and Danny. Who is this? Can you hear me now? Absolutely, sir. Uh, can you can you tell us uh, who you are and where are you calling from? Yes, uh, I am from Pennsylvania, and my friend here is an actor. And you guys were talking about acting and method acting. And his name is Nick Nolte. He's a famous actor, and he's right here. Hold on. My name is Nick Nolte. I'm an actor. Okay, I mean that's 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 obviously some kind of joke. Uh, Danny, please uh, co- continue with uh, your analyzing. Well, again, you know, dealing with a situation of whether or not you can have the fans basically agree with you is one thing. Because again, you're always, yep. always going to have always going to have a, a different type of fan in this situation is a majority of fans who are going to see things one way or they're going to see things the other way in this situation. But again, the main thing is that you're still rooting for the Celtics to win a championship. That's the only thing that matters, Igor, in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, until fans can understand <clears throat> that, that's the only way you're going to end up being united in this situation. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to have to understand. That's what they're going to have to understand, in my opinion. Um, excellent stuff. And I have another uh, thing to ask. I mean, I don't want to put uh, cold water um, on or rain under their the Celtics fans for parade. But um, what are we going to do with the first two months of the season actually three uh i mean two and a half months let's say or the first part of the season um october november december when we were 10th or 11th in the nba with uh, sub 500 record 
are we going to just uh, forget about this part of the season or what? And the second part to you and to the Celtics fans and analysts, um, it seems like there are two Celtics. <clears throat> the, best, the, the good Celtics are with us right now, okay? But this team is just like, and the recent losses from Detroit and Indiana, Indianapolis showed um, that um, Mr. Hyde is not gone. This team is just like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, if you watch the film. Okay? So, my question is, what is going to be until the end of the regular season? Uh, are the Celtics going to continue to play the great basketball? Or Mr. Hyde is going to appear? To say, metaphorically speaking, of course. Which Celtics team is going to play in the playoffs? That is the big question. Uh, John Karalis, uh, the reporter who is also writing Lock on the Celtics, uh, Boston Sports Journal, uh, collaboration with the Celtics blog, etc. Our guest here, he said the next uh, two months and half months are going to show you who the Celtics really are. And I totally agree. <clears throat> For me, we still don't have the answer what are what are the Celtics right now? Are the Celtics like uh, the numbers are saying the contenders? Are the Celtics Mr. Jekyll or Dr. Hyde? I mean, who the Celtics are? They have the two faces. One face that is blowing 17 points lead, 20 points lead, that cannot close the teams, and another face that is playing the great defense, the best defense in the NBA, uh, with the two players playing on the superstar level, levels and um, the team that is contending. We defeated the, the Memphis the other night. But uh, for me, Daniel, uh, the real question is, uh, can the Celtics do, the, do this in the seven-game series? Can the Celtics do that four games in a row in the playoffs against the team in the playoffs atmosphere. And I repeat, <clears throat> uh, everything is in the NBA is about the playoffs. It's not about the regular season. And um, I mean, it is fascinating how the Celtics are playing uh, since the new year. But uh, you know, the last two months of the season and the playoffs, they are going to define this Celtics season. I mean, and somebody said in this audio something really interesting, Daniel. Okay? And I know that whatever happens in the playoffs, uh, everybody in the Celtics land, Celtics media, and even, uh, you know, of course, fans, blogs, fans, uh, shows, everybody's going to spin, okay? If the Celtics reach NBA Finals or uh, Eastern Conference Finals or if they win a title, uh, it will be pronounced like the best team 
uh, of all the times. I, I, saw, I saw somebody compare this Celtics team to 1986, the Celtics team, probably the best team in the Celtics history and probably top five best teams in the NBA of all the time. People, you're not normal for doing that right now. You're comparing this Celtics team that didn't achieve anything with the best team of all, the best Celtics team probably ever as United team, 12 men units. Are, are, are you nuts? Are you kidding me? I mean, when they actually succeed to reach the finals at least, then come to us and do the comp- comparison with Bird, with McHale, with um, Casey Jones, with uh, Bill Russell and the Celtics Legends, okay? I mean, that's, 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 at, least, that's at least my um, process of thinking. So for me, uh, the questions surrounding this team, and they are not answered yet. Uh, what are your comments, Daniel? Well, again, Igor, you're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to under, ex, accept the fact that you're not going to get everybody to jump on the bandwagon. The, you know, audio itself, you know, got people to hear two different reporters, two different analysts, basically admit mm-hmm. in this case that... Even they, in this situation, you know, earlier this season, weren't willing to buy into the team. And even now, there's still reasons that they kind of, like, maybe question is the team, you know, can they do this? Can they do that? But every team, basically, is going to get that from their fan base in this situation. Only the ones who always have the team glasses on are going to basically be 100% 100%, uh, content of basically saying they can do everything perfect in this case, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, one guy did say, say it himself. He's not expecting this team to win a championship, you know, mm-hmm. it, but that's where the difference is for most of the fan base. One, one group says we're not expecting them to win a championship and we're content with that. The other side says we want a championship in this situation. And until we get it, mm-hmm. we're not content. And that's where the division is in this case, mm-hmm. and until the other side basically seems willing to accept saying, okay, we respect your opinion, and we can live with it in this situation, you know, you're not willing to jump into the pool with us and have, you know, and swim in the swim in the, in the pool in this case, or you're not willing to drink some green, you know, Kool-Aid in this situation with us, and basically say you can live with just, uh, you know, second round or first round or a third round or a trip to the NBA finals. You want to win it all in this case with, you know, by the, you, want, you want these guys to win it all, you know, then fine. But we need to see these, see, see the fan base find a way to coexist. That's the way I kind of see it at some point. You know, if these, mm-hmm. if these analysts can learn to coexist despite the fact that they got different opinions in this case, and obviously they fans only got to hear one part, you know, we'll probably play the second mm-hmm. audio on the next show, then why can't the fans themselves learn to coexist? Mm. <clears throat> uh, fair, fair enough. 
again uh, to repeat that um, the next two and a half months are going to tell us um, all we need to know about this Celtics team. Uh, <clears throat> the numbers right now, like Rich said, the numbers are absolutely on the Celtic side and they are telling us that the Celtics are contenders. Um, we will see what happens. Uh, I mean, you mentioned audio uh, in, in, in about 10 minutes. Um, you wanted to talk about something, um, NBA news right now. Let's have a little fun um, until the end of the program. So uh, you wanted to talk um, about Harden, if I'm, if I'm correct. Well, like I said, that's uh, where we were going to start off after the audio break, uh, the last audio. So, obviously, the audio was discussing the fact that James Harden is embracing the fans in Philadelphia, uh, trying to basically make himself, you know, blend in quickly. The fans, obviously, in Philadelphia are embracing him. The question is, Igor, based on what you know about James Harden and his recent history, is he embracing them too quickly? And obviously, what you know about Philadelphia, you know, you're, you know, talking about the Celtic fans, obviously, in this case, and uh, obviously, based on your history with the way the Celtic fans have treated you, in light of what's been going on and your your opinion about the Celtics, obviously, what do you think about James Harden mm. in this case? We know Philly in this case, just like the audio says. You know, they'll embrace James Harden for now, but the moment the team starts to stink, they'll basically be calling for his head to be chopped off and basically trade it to another team, you know, for him, for them to get another player. That might be better, that might be better in this case. It's kind of similar to the way it is here in Boston. You know, if the team is not playing well, they want, you know, some, some of the fans want to trade Jalen Brown for a better player or Jason Tatum for another player or trade some of the role players for, you know, for a superstar in this case. And that's because in these major cities, it's all about trying to win a championship in this case. You know, again, as I just said, some fans in these fan bases or these cities just don't understand in this situation and really don't care for wanting to win a championship. And that's why basically they don't stress those type of things. But do you think James Harden is making a mistake when it comes to trying to embrace those fans way too soon, knowing that basically they could turn on him in an instant, for one, and at the same time, he's only got two years, the rest of this season and next year, basically under contract with them. And if things don't go the right direction, a part of me feels if he doesn't win a championship this season or next season with Philadelphia, he could be gone after that. So why try to act like Philadelphia is the best place for you and you finally found your home knowing that you didn't, they committed to OKC. You didn't stay committed to Houston. And obviously now you didn't stay committed to Brooklyn, which you had, you know, Durant and Irving. You were likely going to be the most dominant team in the league. And now in this situation, you're acting like you're going to be willing to stay committed to Philadelphia, trying to embrace the fans. I'd say – it's a recipe for disaster at the way this is, this is going. He's starting off with them the same way he started off in every other city. Uh, 
I really cannot say what will be uh, with Philadelphia and uh, James Harden uh, simply because uh, those, uh, I mean, Harden and Philadelphia, uh, they have uh, one thing in common. They are mentally not stable or they are mentally unstable. Um, is James Harden a good player? Uh, yes, he is. Uh, for a long, long time, like uh, 10, 15 years, uh, he is in the top, and he is MVP candidate uh, for a long time, okay? And... It's impossible uh, to be on that level if you are not good uh, player, okay? So everybody that is underrating uh, Harden and his achievements, he was in the finals with uh, Brook, uh, um, Oklahoma, pardon, um, Kev- with Kevin Durant and uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, he was reun- reunited in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant. It didn't work. He left Brooklyn recently for Philadelphia. Uh, listen, every si- I I don't uh, blame Harden uh, for going uh, to Philadelphia. <clears throat> I mean, everybody in the NBA has. I mean, right to choose the team in which he's willing to play, uh, the town that is best fit for him, and everybody, um, everybody you know, uh, with the NBA, like marketing. So you cannot judge the players for wanting out. of, uh, you know, the team that is dismantled and disunited and dysfunctional like Brooklyn Nets, okay? You have Kyrie Irving's drama there, ongoing, and Kevin Durant uh, injured all the times, you know, reminding of the player that is close, to Patriots then to all-star level Kevin Durant. He should play to not, he, I mean, should play against us, Kevin Durant, um, but uh, Harden, Harmstring ruled out Saturday against the Heat um, again. So Harden is uh, uh, struggling again with the injuries. Anyway, to return to original story, James Harden is a good player. I'm not bl- blaming him for wanting to change the Brooklyn, uh, you know, uh, to change, change the town and the, and the franchise. He was in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, he had good numbers in Brooklyn, but uh, he judged that uh, Brooklyn Nets are not ready to win the championship right now and 
he didn't like the town. Obviously, atmosphere around Brooklyn Nets. Um, he judged that he's not going to win the title in Brooklyn. And on the other side, Philadelphia, Daryl Morey, they have MVP candidate who can win the MVP uh, award this uh, in the regular season this season. And Daryl Morey is looking towards James Harden and all superstars to become available for a long time um, since he practically came to Philadelphia. So Daryl Morey had an eye to James Harden. and so, So he jumped right away at James Harden as soon as uh, James Harden became available, when he expressed the desire to change the town, the team, atmosphere. Um, I mean, is James Harden prizing Philadelphia 76ers fans too early? Yes, he is. But uh, this is kind of his job, you know, because Everybody in the NBA, um, that, that, that's, that's kind of uh, part of their job, to be polite, civilized, towards the fans, the media, and the people in the town in which you're playing, okay? Because you're not going to come to Philadelphia and to say, listen, Philadelphia people, they suck. And, and their team sucks. I mean... You're, you're going to be hit by the rocket in your head the next uh, game that you're playing or the next training in which you're in, okay? I mean, is he exaggerating? Um, is this prem- premature to thank uh, Philadelphia 76ers uh, fans? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and finally, is James Harden going to succeed with the Joel Embiid? I don't know, but uh, it was the right move for both Philadelphia and James Harden, because uh, Philadelphia and Daryl Morey, they didn't want to waste MVP season of Joel Embiid. Uh, Without James Harden, with Seth Curry and Drummond, if I'm correct, Philadelphia was not championship caliber team. Okay, With uh, James Harden, uh, they're becoming uh, the biggest uh, contenders to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, the Finals... um, from the Eastern Conference alongside Milwaukee Bucks, in my view. So, um, is that going to happen? Depends on million facts. But uh, that's it about James Harden. Sorry for being too long, but um, James Harden is always uh, inspiration, inspiration, Danny. Uh, so is Philadelphia, <laughs> to tell you that way. Uh, endless uh, source of uh, information and speculation. Uh, next. Okay, so meanwhile, in terms of another team that uh, is in the Eastern Conference, obviously, that we're chasing, the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, which we are only, as we mentioned earlier, one and a half games behind them. They are tied with the Chicago Bulls, 39-25 and 25 in this case. Uh, they're third, while the Bulls are fourth in this situation, so obviously they got the tiebreaker. We have a 2-1 record against them with one game left to go. They are expected to get Brook Lopez back. Brook Lopez is supposed to returning. Obviously, he's been cleared for, uh, for contact. So 
what do you think is going to end up being the impact of him returning? Obviously, you know, they're the, they're the defending champions in this case. They're going to be playing the Phoenix Suns in, in, the, in a few days. So that's going to be, you know, a rematch of the NBA Finals. But with the Eastern Conference being so close and with him being so, you know, it, it being so close to the end of the season, I just have a feeling that Brooke Lopez may not be as, uh, you know, his, his return may not be as impactful as everybody seems to be making it. You know, yeah, he's a great player, and obviously it's going to help because, you know, Milwaukee hasn't been, you know, that juggernaut that uh, everybody usually expects him to be thanks to, you know, Giannis being on their team. But something tells me that he isn't going to be able to give them as much as uh, he usually would because he may not be able to get back to that 100% Brook Lopez type player in the situation in time to really make a difference for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, really interesting. By the way, uh, while we are talking right now, uh, Philadelphia is playing Miami. This is an interesting duel of two Eastern Conference contenders. Um, And just to inform the people that uh, Harden is not playing due to injury, uh, starting five of Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Furkan, Furkan Korkmaz uh, in the place of Harden, Matisse Taibou, and Tyrese Maxi. Tyrese Maxi has the good communication with Harden. Uh, on the other side for Miami, uh, <clears throat> Duncan Robertson, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Mutler, uh, Bema Debayo, Gabe Vincent. Brooke Lopez, I don't know what will happen to Brooke Lopez. Um, uh, I think that... Uh, uh, Milwaukee is uh, still favorite uh, to come out of the East, uh, in my book, uh, because they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, still MVP uh, level player and probably the best player in the NBA right now. And that's all that matters in the NBA. Plus, Daniel, unlike the Celtics, they have legit big three. Um, in uh, Giroux, Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Plus, uh, they have the great, the great uh, um, supporting cast around the big three. Okay, uh, the people can underrate Chris Middleton and Giroux Holiday all the way they want, but those guys have rings on their finger. Okay, um, the other night, for example, against Chicago. Uh, Antetokounmpo had double-double, 34 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists. Chris Middleton, big three follows. Middleton, 22, 6, and 7. Holiday, 26, 8, and 5. By the way, the player that I could not remember during the interview with Rich Conti is Grayson Allen. Okay. Um, another drafted player, uh, small player that uh, they turned into the starter. Um, and by the way, Bobby Portis is playing out of uh, uh, his mind, uh, Daniel. Um, Bobby Portis <clears throat> stretching the floor, playing great defense, and uh, he's legit starter uh, since uh, they uh, traded. Um, now my mind stopped. They traded away one starter, but never mind. Um, anyway, 
uh, about Lopez, they have Sergi Baca. Uh, they have seven footer, 22, 22 uh, two, uh, I, I mean, um, uh, 32 years old from Congo, Sergi Baca, ex Oklahoma, uh, experienced guy, uh, played for Spain, also won a couple of medals, a uh, veteran who can give us give them 12 to 15 uh, minutes uh, of the bench. Um, they have good role players, like I said. They lost uh, shooting, traded away uh, the starter that uh, I cannot remember, but I will remember. But uh, they still have, uh, I mean, good uh, bench and enough depth, even without Lopez, to uh, come out of the East. Um, and to tell you the truth, uh, I will not uh, take any Western teams over Milwaukee to to win the NBA Finals. What do you say? Well, I, I would think in this situation that as of right now, the only team out West that would give a shot over Milwaukee, you know, and that's probably going to be like one of those. To- yeah, that would be the only one with a you know, and it would be a toss-up in this situation. <clears throat> I don't think, you know, obviously the Suns would do it because the Suns, what have they really changed from last season at this point? You know, right. so nothing's really really changed with them. And Plus, as Chris we said, Paul is injured. Chris Paul is injured. Chris, so. exact, exactly. You know, and so every other team really hasn't uh, gotten any better. You know, the Lakers obviously are, are horrendous. They may not even make the playoffs, let alone make Absolutely. the finals. In this case, you know, the Clippers are no good, despite the fact that they're beating the Lakers. You know, the Denver Nuggets, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, the Jazz, you know, Memphis Grizzlies are all pretty decent teams. But I don't think they would have, you know, the, the, the really decent enough defense to stop, you know, Giannis and the Bucks at this point. You know, those are games, you know, the they're Western Conference. They are a young team, an experience. Just it's like the exactly. Celtics, more or less. Exactly, you know, we've kind of noticed that uh, we well, we've said it for years, and they've you know, you've even seen seen it on TV, you know, NBA TV, ESPN, Fox Sports. Everybody says it. The Western Conference teams are more about trying to win a shootout type game, while the Eastern Conference teams are the ones that like to play more defense at this point. You know, obviously. You know, it's kind of been a, it's kind of changed a little bit depending on which team they're talking about over the last you know few years. But some of those, most of the teams in the Western Conference try to get into shootouts with the Golden State Warriors to try and beat them. But of course, you got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in there now. Obviously, Draymond Green, you know, is injured, and so a lot of people are kind of saying with that injury, you know, there may be a little bit of a you know a weakness there. But if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If he if he's mm-hmm. if he's healthy and he gets back, there ain't nobody coming out of the Western Conference other than the Golden State Warriors, unless another freak injury happens to one of the big three in this case. So you know, it's all about basically out of who's coming out of the East at this point to meet up with the Warriors come the NBA Finals, and can that team that comes out of the East have a good enough defense to at least try to slow down because ain't nobody that's really going to stop the, the Warriors completely, but at least slow down the Warriors enough to give you a decent matchup in the NBA Finals. Um, at the Eastern Conference, um, again, Milwaukee 
uh, for me, still number one uh, place. Uh, I, uh, I mean, to say this way, I see Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals un unless Antetokounmpo uh, is having season-ending injury, and I really don't want that. Um, I mean, I'm going to just mention, I mentioned their starting five. Um, they had small trade. I'm expecting them to sign another uh, good and veteran uh, free agent signing, uh, potentially, before the playoffs. But right now, like I said, starting um, five of um, Jeru Holiday, Grayson, uh, Allen, uh, um, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bobby Portis, um, from the bench, listen to this, Daniel. They have DeAndre Bembry. They signed guard forward from the Nets. He was one of the top free agents, and they signed him. He is from the bench. Javon Carter, guard experience. Pat Connaughton, guard experience. George Hill, should I mention that the, the guy is having like 15, 17 NBA season uh, in his legs and, 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 and hands. Um, Serge Ibaka that I mentioned. So Serge Ibaka and DeAndre Bembry from the bench. Okay. Plus George Hill, Pat Conanton, and Wesley Matthews, the shooter from the bench. You know, even without, uh, even without um, uh, Lopez that you mentioned, I mean, the depth is there, the quality is there, experience, championship experience that um, very little players at the Eastern Conference are having, except the Nets players. But like I said, the Nets are not championship contenders because they are dysfunctional family. Okay? The Nets are a collection of the players that are dysfunctional family at the moment. Until they find their identity, until they solve Kyrie Irving conundrum problem somehow, I don't see the Nets coming out of the East anytime soon. Maybe next year they will be contenders. Plus, they have problems with the injuries. James Harden injured, Kevin Durant injured. Um, that's a problem for, you know, Philadelphia and um, the Nets, obviously. Um, and I want to say that um, everybody's underrating Miami Heat. Nobody's talking about Miami Heat. Uh, and that's not justified, Daniel. Because Miami Heat, number one, at Eastern Conference, they're playing amazing the whole year. The Celtics are playing amazing since December 31st. Miami Heat, they are playing amazing every single, I mean, from the start of the year. They had bad games. Uh, they, were, they had into injury crisis. Uh, we defeated them without uh, three or four players. But again, Miami Heat, extraordinary season. I see them as contenders. At least the contenders, uh, I mean, the contenders to enter the big finals alongside Milwaukee. The, 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 the most serious one, Philadelphia depends on Harden. If Harden is uh, always injured, like uh, today he is, Philadelphia has no chance to uh, enter Eastern Conference Finals. Okay? 
So it depends on hardness to speak about Croatia. Um, Brooklyn, I already commented that uh, they have talent to win the East, but uh, they are dysfunctional family at the moment and injury uh, strikes. Uh, Celtics are there, Celtics are fit, and everybody should count on the Celtics to be at least in the second round, especially if the Celtics uh, win uh, the fourth spot on the third spot. That is meaning um, um, that, that means home court advantage in the first round. The Celtics are certainly at least in the second round. Then we will see. Depends on the matchup. Depends on uh, depends on the enemy. Chicago is injured, and I don't buy Chicago as playoff team contenders, contender team. And I apologize if I offended somebody in Chicago. So is Cleveland. Listen, I love Cleveland. I think future is ahead of them. They're playing without calling Sexton. Garland is a star. Um, Jared Allen is one of my favorite centers in the NBA. Uh, Mobley is future star. They have two all-stars, Daniel. Okay? But uh, I don't see the defense is their trademark so as ours. But they don't have offensive potential right now and experience. I think they will lose probably in the first or second rounds. Uh, and that's about the Eastern Conference. Um, I think that it is the right time, Daniel, right now, it is the right time to hear the last audio for the night uh, that we prepared for our dear listeners. Uh, if I'm correct, uh, what what's what's left? Uh, early, uh, early edition. Yes, yes, yes. Eight minutes. Uh, early edition. What team are you? The subjects couldn't win it all, or they aren't there yet. So we are playing that right now. Then we are back. We play with a, a lot more passion, um, and we just seem like we're having a lot more fun. Obviously, when you win it. Um, you tend to, you know, play with, you know, a little more enthused and smile and laugh and things like that. Uh, it wasn't happening too often beginning of the season. Well, the Celtics have done it. They have thawed the heart of Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. He writes this. The Celtics are fun again, and they are good. They are, there are no current NBA monster teams, and given what the Celtics have been doing, you can make the why not us case for this group. They have a terrific starting five, play the best defense in the league, and finally seem to be buying in on new coach Ime Yudoka. In the cold and dark of March with no football or baseball, this brings out the full Scalabrini in some of us. But not everyone. Oh, no, there's always someone to rain on a parade, and this time it is Charles Barkley saying this yesterday. I still don't believe in the Celtics. I don't think Tatum and Brown did the dirty work. Ooh-wee. Do stars do dirty work, though? This is where we begin the daily thread. All right, we got Smossy. We got Perry. Uh, which team are you on? 
John Tomasi, are you on you Team Shaughnessy or team, uh, team Barkley? I am Team Shaughnessy on this one, and Barkley's timing is terrible. I mean, did he watch last night's game? That was a brawl, you know? I mean, that's one of the most physical teams in the league. You've got Bain, you've got Steven Adams getting tied up with Grant Williams, the biggest, baddest, nicest guy in the NBA, according to Scal, talking about Adams. The Celtics didn't back down from any of that. And Tatum, he wasn't scoring. Yes, he hit some jumpers, he hit some threes, but most of his baskets were in traffic. That was a manly performance by him last night. So I, I think his timing on that is terrible. Uh, that, to me, is sort of becoming the identity of, identity of this team. They fly around. They make plays. I think it takes a little longer sometimes for the national guys to like really figure out what's happening with a given team. And so your old takes tend to linger a little bit yes. longer. And listen, we've all had some bad takes. And so I think Charles Barkley is just leaning on what he saw from this team in the first month. And he says, they're still probably the same guys. And, you know, when clearly things have changed. And so I buy in. We talked about it off the top of the show. We just heard Jason Tatum talking about it. When they're playing the way they're playing and they're moving the ball the way they are and they're pushing the ball up the floor and they're passing and they're having fun and it's clear. And now they're carrying themselves on the court and they're feeding off the fans. I've got to lean more towards Shaughnessy on this one. Yeah, I guess, too, when I think of, like, what does he mean by dirty work? Like, does he want him, does you want your star player in there like Daniel Tice's, like, elbow to elbow with guys? Like, no, that's what Daniel Tice's of the world, no offense, are for. Like, to me, all the little things that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum weren't doing before, which is getting back on the defensive end is often in playing intense defense, but also moving the ball and passing and setting up their teammates. Those are all things that are happening now for this team. So I don't know how you can look at them and not say that they have taken that step forward but still the question then becomes and I think this is where like maybe my skepticism still is there like can the Tatum Brown combo in its current iteration in its current form take this team all the way to a title this year I'm not sure they can but I will say this if everybody plays to their best ability. If you get the Al Horford that you got last night, if you get a Derek White who is going to shoot the ball fairly well, if you get Marcus Smart who isn't going to make Marcus Smart plays and is going to play well on defense and defer to the guys around him, why not? Here's why I say it shouldn't be completely out of the question that they win the conference. It's just because the two teams that everybody considers above these guys are Philly and Brooklyn. And I just don't trust the personalities on either of those teams to be able to carry those teams and play well in crunch time and be able to get them through. Are those teams more talented on paper? Sure. But, John, I just I see the way this team is playing now, the Celtics team is playing now, and they're playing together, and they're playing with energy and playing with passion. They're playing defense. I would say, why can't they beat one of those teams with those yeah, like, head cases and what those if, other rosters? What if Peyton Pritchard becomes Tyler Hero 2.0? Like, what if, what if these guys just hit the stride right at the right time, even if it's not the perfect configuration around Tatum and Brown and Robert Williams. I I feel like we're asking the wrong question. You know, can they win the title? Maybe yes, maybe no. But it's almost irrelevant. Like, who cares if they can win the title? Can they entertain us? Can they entertain us for a deep playoff run? And the answer to that question absolutely is yes. I think sometimes because maybe it's the felgerization of our takes, we feel like it's title or nothing. And it's like, no. You can have an entertaining season that ends in the second round of the playoffs in Game 7 or in the Eastern Conference Finals, whatever. That's sort of it's, a low bar, though, John. It's a, we're, okay, we live in Boston. That's we, we, that stuff does Fine. matter. Wait. Conference Finals. If you make the Conference Finals with where this team was a month ago? Sure. I'm going to start calling you Midwest. Come on. Mid- Midwest. 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 Green tie. Green tie to my. It's such a Midwest right thing. Like, it's just okay if you get there. 
We're happy with your effort. I am okay with being entertained. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, last night, Jason Tatum scored 21 fourth-quarter points to outduel John Morant and lead the Celtics to a win over the Grizzlies. Next up, though, Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday. And the biggest question is, can Tatum slay the biggest giants in the NBA? Can Tatum really, at this point, I know, I know KD's just getting back, but can Tatum really, like, stare that monster, 6'11", 7'0", 7'4", wingspan, hardest worker in the NBA, could he stare him in the eyes and outplay him on Sunday? If he can get over this hump on Sunday, then I have to reevaluate the way I feel about the Celtics and, where, and their chances moving forward because the best player in the world, more times than not, moves on. So as Tatum started now entering into top five conversation, that means that on Sunday, we're getting a two top five players going at it. I will say this. I don't know if you're getting full top five Kevin Durant because he's only going to be in a second game back. But I do think it's important, John, for Jason Tatum to look Kevin Durant in the eye. And even if it's not the Kevin Durant we're used to seeing, slay him on Sunday. Win that game with him on the floor so that you have confidence. So if you see him again, and I do think they see them. Do they see them one more time? No, I'm forgetting. Even if they don't see them one more time, if you have to see them again in the postseason, you at least have that in the back of your head like, I've done this before. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him do it. Game three last year, he dropped 50. I mean, they had no business winning a game in that series, and Tatum single-handedly willed them, and then he went for 40-whatever uh, in the next couple. So he's done it before, but this feels different. That yeah, was like, yeah. can they steal one? Can Tatum just pull one game out? This is, you beat Jokic, MVP, and an MVP candidate this year. You beat John Morant, MVP candidate. Blew doors off Embiid. Granted, that team was kind of a mess, but these are MVPs. Durant is an MVP. I want to see Tatum just keep that train rolling. We're also asking more, I think, of Jason Tatum. Oh, we're asking a lot. And I don't expect him to be staring Kevin Durant down and beating him consistently really anytime soon because Durant's that good. But I don't think he has to. Like, it's nice to say, oh, this is mano a mano, and as long as Tatum can win, then the Celtics can win. I think what's great about these Celtics right now is that he doesn't have to necessarily be a top-five guy for them to win and beat good teams. They're getting ridiculous seasons from Grant Williams, from Robert Williams, from Marcus Smart. All of these guys are outperforming expectations, and that's really one of the reasons, one of the huge reasons. Al Horford, another guy. We're getting much more from Al Horford this year than I think the Celtics, even the Celtics themselves probably ever thought they would. Make Brooklyn a one-man team. That's what I want to see. Make Durant have to be the guy. Take care of Kyrie. Take care of kind of a mediocre supporting cast. I think that's how they can win this game, for sure. It'll be a great one on Sunday. Green tie, Trent. Green tie tonight. Excellent uh, audio. Daniel, it is telling you everything you need to know about the Celtics season. Now, I heard the same argument um, uh, from one of commentators at the audios that uh, I have been hearing from the Celtics fans the last nine years since Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce were traded away from the Celtics and since we officially hit the rebuilding button in uh, 2013. I don't care about the championship. All I need is to be entertained. Really great. I have a piece of advice for those kind of idiots because I don't have better word for this, Daniel. I really don't. You want to be entertained? Then go to the circus. Uh, watch clowns. Watch um, I mean, uh, animals and 
enjoy in the entertainment or uh, go watch uh, <clears throat> you know <clears throat> go watch some comedy or uh, go 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 watch Harlem Globetrotters then you will be entertained I don't care if they're playing the most entertaining basketball and in this case I'm going to agree with the Felger, even though I think that uh, Felger is one more. In Boston, it is about the championship. It is about championship on all basket. And it is our duty, Daniel, as long, long time, older, all, all, your, all your life pro Boston sports fan. It is our duty, obviously, to remind the younger Celtics uh, fans from the year of 2000 that uh, Boston is title town. And Boston is not title town because it is full of clowns who are going to entertain you. If you are one clown that is uh, having uh, the primary goal in your career to entertain the public, then in my eyes, you're not the player for Boston, and you should change the, the team. So it is championship in basket, and it is cruel. I mean, I'm not going to tell, for example, if this team enters Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not going to say that it's complete wasted season. I'm going to say that the season is successful, Considering on the paper, paper, what quality of the team we possess. Somebody in the audio explained very, really well that we are our players like Grant Williams, like Robert Williams, like Al, Al Horford, now Derek White. They are exceeding every expectations. They are <clears throat> overachieving this season. They are playing great basketball, but uh, uh, considering uh, their rating, these role players are playing, playing great. And this is what is allowing the Celtics uh, to win comfortably in the second part of the season. Okay. And about uh, having um, top five and top 10 players uh, in the NBA in order to win the title. Uh, this is still the truth. And this playoff is going to prove that. And the Celtics do not have top five players, a player in the NBA. The Celtics do not have top 10 player in the NBA right now. Sadly. Uh, what is your opinion? First and foremost, I would say when it comes to those two, those two guys, that were doing the talking, maybe we should invite them to the Weebly Green Group and basically tell them they'll be the president of the two different uh, divided group of members in this situation <laughs> because both of them basically explain the arguments that pretty much our members have made inside the group as to what their views are in this case perfectly. You know, like we've said, one group of one group of members basically feels that it doesn't matter whether or not we win a championship, that it's irrelevant at this point 
because the team is too young in this situation. And uh, basically, we should just be all about having fun at this point. Whatever we get from the team is basically an added like a bonus. bonus. Mm. Yeah, it's right now it's all about developing them. So if they basically get to the first round and get eliminated, it's a bonus at this point on top of the development. Mm. If you get to the second we should round, be, we should be happy like a baby with the candy. If uh, whatever they do, right? Yeah, that it's that it's all about the power of positivity, basically. You know, Absolutely. to take that phrase from the WWE with, you know, the New Day in this case. Well, the other side, mm-hmm. at this point, basically, as we mentioned, it's all about a championship. It's championship or mm-hmm. bust, as the guy mentioned in this case. And he feels, obviously, it's the wrong mindset to have. While the other guy says that, again, this is Boston. Boston, basically, the fan base for the Bruins go go hard on their on their team. If you don't win a championship, then basically you failed. The Red Sox fans basically go hard on their team. If you don't win a championship, it's a failure. The Patriots really fans, obviously. Danny, Danny, tell me, uh, you're running Patriots group. So are Patriots fans uh, really all about entertainment and the Bruins, Bruins fans or the Sox fans? Well, obviously, they, they don't go that route in this situation. Patriot fans right now have been a little less lenient on the Patriots because of obviously the fact that Tom Brady has left and they got obviously the rook, uh, you know, the new quarterback in this case in Mac Jones. And obviously this mm-hmm. was his first season, but that's where Celtic fans differ from Patriot fans that Tatum and Brown are your two top stars and they're not rookies. These guys have already experienced but going every, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Every, every, and everybody, uh, great point. Uh, remember what you want to, 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 to say. Uh, just to jump in. Um, they are, you said it great. They are uh, not rookies. They have experience. They were in the two or three Eastern Conference Finals uh, in their careers. Yet, the people are under underlying their youth. They are only 23, 24, 25, 26, and then they are counting. In the age of 23, Jason Tatum achieved this and that and this. So some ridiculous statistics meaning, meaningless. Everything of this is great. Applause to Tatum, Brown, and everybody else on the team. But, I mean, can, can we stop with the argument Oh, they are so young. They are not. They are in prime right now. They're experienced. And enough with excuses. Right now, it is the time for win. Give us the wins. Show us from what material are you made of. Okay? And do not hide behind some stupid, ridiculous excuses like we don't have enough help. We are too young and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, again, if this was a, if these two guys were rookies right now this season, I don't think any either one of us or any of the other Absolutely. fans would be giving them beef if you don't win it all. Absolutely. Because we know that you gotta you, you gotta have some time to develop and get yourself going. If you Absolutely. were in your second year 
in this case. In but 2018, this... 19, we didn't expect them to win it all. We were happy with Eastern Conference Finals and the Game 5 uh, of the Clippers. We were sad because we lost Game 7 against the Cleveland. I mean, it was a disastrous game, but uh, we didn't expect the Celtics to win it all that, that year, and we were yeah. satisfied, right? Exactly. The main thing that caused a lot of the outrage against Tatum and Brown over the last few years when it came to fans in this in this in this fan base was something that even Jason Tatum himself admitted he was wrong for doing at this point. Jalen Brown himself Absolutely. hasn't admitted hasn't admitted it yet. But Tatum himself Absolutely. admits that he regrets his actions, which was the right. rebelling against Kyrie Irving, Al Horford and the veterans they had. The Gordon year Hayward. after they lost, in yep. this case, that game seven against LeBron and the Cavs, because they felt that the fact that they were the top two players that year and got the team to game seven, that they were entitled to have that top those top spots, which, of course, right. caused them to basically rebel, like I just said, and feel that we, we are entitled to take the top spots. So give us the, the, give us the starting spots and let those guys earn it back from us. Which, of course, we all know that's not how it works in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Once you get a starting spot, it's automatically yours, and the players that come from the bench have to earn it from you in this situation, and that's the way it works. Not the other way around in this situation, where automatically just because you suffer an injury and you have to replace a player, they got to earn it back in this case. So Tatum admits he was wrong and that they basically might have lost out. The Celtics might have lost out on something that could have led to something great in this case. And, of course, the team had to be broken up because of it, because the following year they couldn't get along due to what happened. But still, several years, ladies and gentlemen, that's the key. Patriot fans are now willing to be patient with the way things have gone because it's only been one year. And of course, the Patriots still made the playoffs this year. They did. They got our. They they got their ass kicked, obviously, in that first, that in that playoff game. Mm -hmm. But they got the job. They, but the fans are being patient because they know it's a rookie quarterback. They also know they got the best coach in football in this situation. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to your team, you've got two players in this case, two stars who want to be viewed as superstars in this case. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you've had three stars at one point when you had Kemba, obviously, in this case, and you ended up getting rid of him because your team didn't do anything. How many guys are you going to be bringing in and then sending out before ultimately the job gets done? At the same time, here's the biggest, the biggest thing, Igor. This is where I think the desperation comes into play. This is where I think the fans from the other side have to start seeing it from, from the viewpoint of the fans who are desperate, which is guarantees do we have that a championship is ever going to come in this case, all because you're willing to develop and wait for the development to happen. Look at, these, look at all hmm. the other teams, ladies and gentlemen, in the league that go through the development stage with their teams. There ain't no guarantee that just because Golden State developed Curry and Thompson and Green from, you know, the young players from the draft straight up, that you're gonna that you're gonna strike gold and automatically win and make and make us, you know, 
I guess you could say a dynasty with them in this situation. So what guarantees do any of you have a crystal ball inside your home in this situation that you're looking into mm-hmm. that you can tell the Celtics and the rest of the fan base, I can guarantee you this is going to happen? If you do, please mm-hmm. tell us. Maybe you can tell us what the heck is going on in Ukraine and what the future is between the war between Ukraine and, and Russia in this case. Please, we would like to know. <laughs> they, you know, mm-hmm. that's the main thing. Just because you feel it's a guarantee that being willing to hit, yeah. willing to push they're, the patient. They're saying like, they're saying like, oh, relax, don't be fools. We are the winning championship in the next three years. How? How do you know that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Maybe if this was a situation, Igor, where it was a little bit more like what we had in 2008, where a mm-hmm. lot of the best players in the league were about to go out, and you knew mm-hmm. that the players were a lot, the best players right. were old, and so Tatum and mm-hmm. Brown were being get were getting ready to go into their prime when the best players mm-hmm. were about to exit. So you knew. You were mm-hmm, primed mm-hmm. and ready to strike with your best players in the prime of their careers at a time where the rest of the teams in the league really weren't going to have exactly. much to be an obstacle, then maybe there'd be a, a, a better chance of being a little optimistic and being able to say, okay, I can wait because then we're going to dominate. But no, you don't have that happening. You got way too many NBA stars in this league that are young at this point in, the, in this case roughly around the same age as Tatum and Brown, who can be an obstacle, a hindrance to our chances of winning an NBA title. Whether you want to look at Luka Doncic, whether you want to look at Giannis in this case, whether you want to still look at guys like Durant and Kyrie, who are still pretty young in this case. They may not be, you know, as young as Tatum and Brown, let's say. They may be a little bit older, but still. They're not, they're not as old as LeBron in this case and close to be saying, you know, I'm going to be gone in maybe two or three years. That's my, that's my point, ladies and gentlemen. But still, you do not have any guarantees in this case that being willing to say, let's hit the wait button and say we'll wait, you know, four, five, six, seven more years for them to develop, that it's going to guarantee an NBA championship to the Boston Celtics. Heck, none of you can even guarantee in this case, that Tatum and Brown will even stay with the Celtics after their contracts are up. Because obviously, Tatum right. Brown himself has already kind of put the rumors out there that if the team doesn't basically get to where he wants them to, he could end up leaving, in this case, for all we know. So Celtics mm-hmm. fans, even that I have that in the back of their mind, that there's a chance, basically, he may not be around once his contract is up, meaning that you may have to trade him before his contract expires if, you know, things don't go the way you, the way he wants. So that's where fans, the ones who are really critical, the ones who really are desperate for a championship, are saying we have to win now because they know tomorrow is not guaranteed. Check, look at it for ourselves, Igor. We want championships. Why? Because we want to see it and embrace it and celebrate it. None of us in this case are guaranteed tomorrow for our own personal lives in this case. The Celtics could win a championship in June, this coming June, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you that have said they're going to win it all this year could very well basically be right. But yet you people basically in the next hour could end up being shot, end up being shot in the head and end up dead, and you had, would never have known about it. So mm-hmm. why is it so hard 
for you fans to understand why some people are so desperate to see a championship all because they want to be able to, to, to enjoy it and celebrate it because they know there ain't no guarantees that they themselves will be around the next time a championship is won by the Celtics if they ever do win again because they themselves are not guaranteed tomorrow or five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now, and there ain't no guarantees that Jalen Brown or Tatum are guaranteed to be here 5, 10, 15 years from now in this case. Heck, there may not even be an NBA for all we know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now in this situation. So please, try to look at it from the standpoint of those fans in this case. They're not telling you that you don't have a right to basically feel the way you do in this case, but they are telling you in this situation to respect their opinions as well when it comes to them feeling that they have a right to embrace, to basically view the team as having to win at this point. And unfortunately, Igor, only one side. That's the way it's going. Only one side has been proven right over the last few years, which is the team that has said they ain't going to win this season. And obviously they haven't. So how many more years is that team, is that side going to be told to shut the hell up at this point? by the other side who says they're going to win it all before they're finally told, you know what, we're going to leave y'all alone. Y'all have the right to basically go ahead and say what you want because obviously each and every time we look, we basically tell you to shut up. For one, it never works. And two, in this case, we can't guarantee the team is going to win in this situation. And so if they don't win, we basically just mistreated you for an entire season in this case for absolutely nothing. <clears throat> Excellent stuff. Uh, Daniel, we want to thank all the listeners uh, that are supporting us. Uh, we want to promise you a better program in the summer. Changes are coming. Uh, uh, you saw live chat uh, intros, videos. Um, we will try to be better and we will be in Celtics Fans Forum tomorrow early hours. Boston Celtics against Brooklyn Nets, potential duel between Durant and Tatum, um, really um, must uh, watch uh, Celtics uh, game. The Celtics are rising, the Celtics are fifth and rising, and Igor and Daniel um, tomorrow uh, are wishing you, uh, I mean, all the best Celtics, uh, get a win, and talk to you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next uh, uh, on uh, 12th, if I'm correct, uh, at uh, the Celtics Talk Radio. Uh, so have a good night and go Celtics. Daniel? Yep. So again, ladies and gentlemen, a reminder, the Celtics will take on the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. We will have coverage in the, in the Weebly Green Celtics Fan Forum group. And hopefully we will have a good game and hopefully the Celtics will come out victorious. Again, go into the Weebly Green group for the magic numbers that we have posted for you to see how many games the Celtics must win or how many games their opponents must lose in the Eastern Conference in order for the Celtics to eliminate them from the playoff run for the Celtics basically to have a better shot to get a higher seed in the Eastern Conference. So we will see you all next Saturday in the Weebly Green Group as we will return to the video chat. Have a good night.